it is time to tune up the band and oh my god the day finally came it actually happened chaps for it is another episode of the sweet chinwag podcast i am sam alongside dan and Reardon as we continue our journey for the wacky world of professional wrestling chaps we are on the other side of the heat wave how did you two survive how are you doing <laughs> Shockingly, I managed to... I, I survived by not going outside straight up. I didn't I didn't Me, go outside. Yeah, same. Same. I'll I, tell you how I survived. I survived by staying in the few rooms that had air conditioning at my work. Mm. Oh, oh, in the words of Christian Bale, oh, good for you. <laughs> my, my brother, it was not as good as you think he is. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, there apparently... were a couple of rooms where I was for my life yeah. all, all i kept yeah. being told was to shut my windows and curtains did you think that helped <sighs> not in the fucking slightest <laughs> why would you shut no you don't shut anything you just turned yourself into a greenhouse exactly. again I have, to, I have to remind people that the uk is not built for hot weather so this is most why... of our most of our stuff is only heat tested to 38 degrees in the first place <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Oh. Our houses are designed. Most of our houses were built in the 1920s or the 1960s, and were designed to keep heat in. <laughs> it was it was a heat wave like this where everyone said, "Oh, I wish we'd have an outhouse now." Still, <laughs> good lord. This place apparently is the coldest place in a house. Wasn't the outhouse? But I I, I wouldn't know because I've never been in one. <laughs> Although I imagine it'd probably be like a hot box in 38. All I'm I'm saying is every person who had a conservatory must have been absolutely feeling like a mug on that day. God. Yeah. No, I, I, I had a chance to go on an outhouse once. I never did because I refused. I refused. No, no way in hell. I respect that, Reardon. Truly, I do. I tip my hat to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can tell that the that the uh, the the heat wave actually played havoc on our minds because we haven't even gotten to the subject of professional wrestling yet, have we? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, well, look, we spend enough time talking about that anyway, right? We'll get there eventually. Yeah, hundred five like, episodes I, in, yeah. Yeah, like the the wacky world of professional wrestling. It can wait. The world's still there. There's a, there's another wacky world out there right now, and it's called real life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, geez, that was a bit. Yeah, and the grim realities of it just make you realise that everything is bloody awful and terrible. When are we <laughs> finally right. just? You, you got. You just got. Sometimes you just got to firm it. Yeah, yeah. Holy crap! Anyway, sh- uh, we give you this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, let me compose myself as I realise that my whole life flashed before my eyes. Okay. Take two. <laughs> no, we're not, no, we're not taking this. We're, 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 no. In the words of Jim Ross, we're live, pal. Okay. <laughs> we give you this podcast, thanks to those people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. You know, guys... <laughs> Pending is like seeing yourself and fighting yourself in a very poor match. But you gotta do it. And you always, always, always will do it. Just like we will always be pending. I I, I appreciate the I appreciate the uh the, 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 the subtle nod to the main event. I appreciate that, Rid. But before we get what into our main event anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, I can't believe it was the main event. But before we get onto our review of SummerSlam 1994, so hot, it's scary. Wow, that was... We, we chose our... We chose our, our choice of episode really disturbingly thinking about it. I was going to say, we've, we've been on an absolutely insane roll. Yes. Recently, when it came, when it when it's come to things like this. <laughs> it is time to visit Dan for this week's one and only true seismic bit of wrestling news. Dun 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 down. Wrestling news. So uh anything uh interesting happened, Dan? Anything, anything? Uh yeah, that I mean there was a small story coming out of Stanford, Connecticut. Um <clears throat> which well, is Triple that H, Vince McMahon has retired. <laughs> I am throwing air quotes around the word retired. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh. oh me, my, me, meow. <laughs> yeah, that, I have so many thoughts. Uh, I have so many thoughts and so many people I have talked, I have, like, basically whenever I'm, um, whenever I, I with my other friends who do listen to, uh, um, to the podcast, shout out to you guys. Thank you for your support. Um, I do, like, let them know that I have heard about certain stories. And I let them know, yes, yes, I have heard about this story. And, uh, yes, retired is the big finger quote with everyone. It's the operative word here. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. The day we all thought would never come has actually came. And we all, I think, as wrestling fans, or hardcore wrestling fans, we were all under the impression that he would end up dying by being the, the CEO of the company. That's what he, I mean, that's what he said he wanted to do, and there was yeah. no inclination apart from, like, now, yeah. that that wasn't what well, he, was going to happen. He did the whole thing where he was like, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon, bit. Mm. So obviously everyone was like, well, like, I guess he's he's not messing about, and then you know, like four or five weeks later, we're here. And it's 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 nuts. So the news broke in our country at nine p.m. on the twenty second of July, and it came out as a tweet simply at seventy seven. I think it's time to retire. To which I think all of us, I saw it live as it popped up, and thought, "Holy fucking shit! You gotta be kidding me!" Yeah, I was kind. Of, I looked at that and I was like, I think it's time for me to retire. I was like, that that really just set my spider senses. Like, you're you're getting forced on gunpoint here. No way, no way is Vincent Kennedy McMahon like actually. You know, you know what? I think I'm gonna call it now. This just hits me with like, no, he got he he is retired. In the court, in the corporate fashion of, if you don't retire now, we're going to make you leave. You know yes. that scene in Spider Man. You know the f- infamous scene where Norman Osborn has his company taken away from him. That's you basically know, what happened. Yeah, absolutely. And also, for I, I would say, like, there is a lot of there are a lot of infamous scenes in that movie with Norman Osborn. It's Willem Dafoe, for God's sake. Like, let's just make that clear. But. The yeah, boardroom no. scene. There we go. Yeah, I, just, I, could, but... I could hear Vince McMahon saying, I stoned at this company. You know how much I sacrificed him? He would do a really good job as the Green Goblin. I don't want to think about that. 
I mean, honestly, thinking about it, he basically is, is the, the Green, Green Goblin. Goblin. <laughs> when I think, thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, he is. Wow. So, uh, All right. yeah, oh, fuck. So pretty shortly after that tweet, CorporateWWE.com released a statement uh, penned by Vince himself. And I, if you would in, like to, if I can indulge you to, I would show, read the statement out loud in full. Okay, please. As I approach 77 years old, I feel it's time for me to retire as chairman and CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment. Throughout the years, it's been a privilege to help WWE bring you joy, inspire you, thrill you, surprise you, and always entertain you. I'd like to thank my family for mightily contributing to our success, and I would also like to thank all of our past and present superstars and employees for their dedication and passion for our brand. Most importantly, I would like to thank our fans for allowing us into your homes every week and being your choice of entertainment. I hold the deepest appreciation and admiration for our generations of fans all over the world who have liked, currently like, and sometimes even love our form of sports entertainment. Our global audience can take comfort in knowing that WWE will continue to entertain you with the same fervor, dedication, and passion as always. I am extremely confident in the continued success of World Wrestling Entertainment, and I'll leave our company in the capable hands of an extraordinary group of superstars, employees, and executives. In particular, both chairwoman and co-CEO Stephanie McMahon and co-CEO Nick Khan. As the, majority, as the majority shareholder, I will continue to support WWE in any way I can. My personal thanks to our community and business partners, shareholders, and board of directors for their guidance and support throughout the years. Then, now, forever, together. <sighs> that is okay. a lot to unpack there, isn't there? So much to unpack, so much to unpack. So, first of all, this stinks of a man who had this pre-planned... <laughs> This also stinks of a man who 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 who's been who's been usurped from his role, <laughs> asked to quietly be let go. Mm. Also, we're in the end game of Nick Khan, ladies and gentlemen. Now is the reign of the Khans. And uh, I, I mean, it was a very it's a very like the image of Nick Khan and The Rock gained a lot more circulation last night. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this oh, this brother has been involved for like two years now at this point. The work rate is unbelievable, honestly. And the seismic change in not only just you know the uh, in 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 the uh, employees and employers, but just the seismic change in the culture has changed so much in those two years. Yeah. Um, so. I have I have so many thoughts and feelings and questions like just like in the short term the short term is like he he says he's stepping down I do real I do wonder how much how how much Vince could put his thumb on the scale as it were in in the culture of the WWE because mm-hmm. it's like it's like his family is literally there yeah yes which is what's really kind of um which is what makes me kind of really think about how much is going to change if anything is going to change i doubt it honestly yeah i mean yeah because ultimately it comes down to the matter of that that point around i am as the majority shareholder you know i will 
continue to support in whatever way I can. Yeah. And so, obviously, that sets off alarm bells. I know I've seen some reports, I believe, from Brian Alvarez. I'm not certain. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, it's like a Brian Alvarez or Fightful. Basically saying, like, internally, Talon won, like, the assurances that he is not involved one bit. Mm. Um, and then, like, I guess as kind of follow on to that, in a sense... You know, how much does change with, you know, um, Nick Khan and Stephanie as, like, co-CEOs? I think with Nick Khan being in such a high position as he is right now and now having to co-chair that with, with a member of the McMahon family, it wouldn't surprise me... That there, that there's some things that do take a lot will change. It may take a little bit more time, but mind you, with two years in, he's really done. He's done. He's 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 gutted a lot within WWE. Well, because this is the yeah. thing, right? Because obviously, I don't know how much Nick Khan knows about like the wrestling side of stuff. Mm. Mm. But That's- I guess, like, I guess Stephanie could take over that. Possibly. I know right I know right now Triple H is like the nominal head of talent relations, although I might yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, this although... news came in the wake of literally the morning of Triple H yeah. is now back with immediate effect as EVP of talent relations. And would you like to know what his first action, immediate action was when he came back? What was that? He lifted the rule on independent wrestlers not being drafted. Well there you go. So that's very interesting. Yeah, because that's what we know. That's what we know. Trips is about because you know he wants to restart on his campaign to destroy independent wrestling. <laughs> the war, the war goes on. But yeah, um, it was also I believe John Laurinaitis was gone as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he was gone. I think the day before. Yep. Right. Right, right, right. Um, I know a lot of people have been saying like, like this just sets their sights on to set their sights on Kevin Dunn. A lot of people have well, said that. Like, appa- like- apparently, apparently, Dunn and Pritchard are probably soon going to be gone because I believe both of them have had problems with Stephanie in the past. I believe that. And that, like Stephanie just said, like has said before, she doesn't like working with them. I, I, like, honest to goodness, right? I think the world will be a better place once production is taken off out of the hands of Kevin Dunn. <laughs> oh, it bloody will. If, if Kevin if Kevin Dunn is done, I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> I had to. If, if he is gone, I will immediately start checking out WWE again because I can't. I just couldn't handle it afterwards. I could not handle it. He His is a reign of terror that I honestly think is unmatched yeah not even triple h could hold like, the candle like, well no but that's the thing though right because you remember like how nxt got when yeah. kevin dunn took over production in that in that brief interim period oh uh, yeah <clears throat> like, they wouldn't have to look very far if they wanted to um replace the head of production because you know NXT's there for a reason. I was gonna say NXT does in fact exist. Yes. 
Um, so that's all short terms. Like, I'm very curious as to what changes will be, if any. That's the that's the big question. Like, if any. Well, my my betting one change we will definitely see in terms of uh the wrestling. I think with Vince now gone, Triple H back in the role that he's in. I reckon we're going to see a lot more people that we never would have expected to be in WWE show up. Case in point, this might be the impetus for MJF to actually go, you know what, I'm not going to re-sign in 2024. I'm going to go over to WWE. The thing is, is I think if you were doing that, it would be a good point of confidence because you could probably say, well, you know, they're in the reset. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's It's probably not a bad time to get involved. Honestly, I think the biggest thing is I think it's going to be um obviously that chain that change in style, but I think the thing is is that WWE is going to have to start future proofing. It has to at this point yeah. it has to. Cuz obviously in the wake of all of this and with Vince's attitude to running the company, there has been no preparation for the future. No. Everything has been put into Roman, who at this point now we're basically counting the thing of when's he going to go off to Hollywood? Yeah. Mm. Um, and Brock, where as far as we understand with Brock, basically the thing was he said, if he's gone, I'm gone. Probably because Vince was offering him assurances on appearance that yeah. were like, and why he could get any yeah. get anywhere else. I mean, yeah, and 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 for the and for like a few hours, we thought he was gone until yeah. he wasn't, or at least apparently. Now. Yeah, I'm sure they probably just did a thing of like, look, make this appearance, and then we'll go from there. Mm, also mm. possible. Also possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they had to pay him extra to stay on the SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't be surprised either. Crumbs. They. I mean, I'll tell you this much: they are in a <clears throat> fucking awful position currently but but this is this is the thing i said right because most of wwe's talent are actually on the older side Mm. you know if you think about like you know even even just guys like finn balor and damian priest they're on the older side of things cody yeah yeah um and you know even even now like Seth and Roman and guys like that. Uh, really, the only kind of big young guy they have right now is Redacted. Hmm. Um, and even then, you know, where does he sit in things without Vince there? Yeah. Mm. You know, where 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 does he sit amongst that? Because certainly in NXT, he wasn't really seen as a wasn't the same as, way, the yeah. same way that he was when he eventually got picked up. Yeah, but you know that's kind of the uh, that's that's some of the run out from here. They're gonna have to start preparing for the future. Now, here's the thing for me personally. I've seen a, the lot the rhetoric being frank, like good riddance. Now everything can change. Everything can stay, like everything can could be changed from the ground up. And on the other side, flip side of that is that, oh, you lot aren't thankful for what Vince has done, yada, yada, yada. We all knew this discourse was going to happen, obvious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, But it's like, 
people are very, very qu quick to, to, to try and rush this. And we all know that they aren't going to rush this at all. No. If anything, they're going to try and do it the easiest way, realise that they ain't going to work, and the fans probably will push back on that, and that's when they'll try and do like the, the big sweeping changes on the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um it's it it i it's it's still it's still hard to process because it's that thing with we just did not expect this to ever happen you know ever i you know nah i very specific it's very specific for me that he's like like he's retiring like he's leaving mm. because i was i was so so like dead set on i'm going to wake up one day look at the news and Vince McMahon has died like very specifically that's how he's gonna leave so the idea of him actually still being alive and leaving is what's gonna throw me off yeah it's the fucking bizarro world I'll yeah i'll tell you this much i'm very thankful that attitudes have changed since the last time Vince was caught up in a scandal this big. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I, I'm glad he's fucking brought to justice. I'm going to say it, all right? He should yeah, never have right. gotten away with the steroid trial. Never. Not in a million years should he have gotten away with that. And I'll yeah. be honest, I don't think many people other than the stand-up for WWE crowd would would disagree with you there. Most, yeah. The reason why he got away with it, most of the witnesses were terrible. Case in point, the guy, uh, Nails uh, was questioned by WWE lawyers during the time and was questioned, is it true that you have a personal animosity against Vince McMahon? He answered, no. Do you hate Vince McMahon? Yes. <laughs> so, credit, like, terrible, terrible witnesses uh, against Vince at that time. It was the reason he mostly got away with it. Now... I'm just glad the attitudes have changed towards him because he can't because it's again it's not just him I, I'm going to say it here billionaires think they can get away with this shit of course they do they have more money than a person could ever humanly really need and so I'm really hope I really I, it's not that I really hope it's just a hope that it's that he is he's made you know he's taken account for the actions he's the shitty actions he has done in a course of, well, from what we've heard from the Wall Street Journal, is this only a 16-year span that we know of? Yeah. I mean, this is also worth saying, but I'm I'm expecting the Wall Street Journal to come out with some absolute heat. Oh, without <laughs> right question. Right about now. Oh, without question. Yeah. I, I am literally awaiting with, with, with bated breath, like... What what is coming now? It's going I'm just just brace for impact. It's gonna be bad. I'm 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 like what I'm waiting for the Wall Street Journal to the equivalent of like someone saying like no they're they're strapped, expecting mm. like a pistol to come out and then they're pulling out like a whole artillery piece. Also, I I feel like I'm gonna need to shoot. I know I'm gonna to take a turn. I feel like I'm gonna need to shoot about something if people come after me or come after our Twitter about what I just said. To those people, I simply say, stop looking, stop watching the revisionist history of WWE for a start. And granted, Vince did do take a a you know a property as professional wrestling, put it in a countrywide scale, and then made it made it global. Granted, can't take that away from him. But let's put down the facts. Vince bought out his dying father's stake, not inherited, 
bought out his father's dying father's stake when he promised his father who was uh, during the time when he was dying to not buy up the territories what did he do he bought up the territories Vince is not a nice person. I mean, the simple, the, the simple part, the simple part out of all of this is that people know our attitudes towards billionaires, which is they're bad, <laughs> and there shouldn't really be much debate about that fact. <laughs> so when you when I say that Vince is not a nice person, I will say it. Vince is not a nice person. I will not. And I will say it that we hate billionaires. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about being so impassioned about it. It's just all this thinking and seeing i'm people, not sorry at all people defending him I, I mean the week when all the allegations came out and people were bowing to him just made me sick to my core quite unlike anything i've ever, ever experienced before yeah it's i find we're always gonna we're always gonna have a weird weird thing with him because let's face it without him this podcast wouldn't exist exactly that's that's he gave us this, but as a human being, oh, I, ho- I hope he gets everything that's coming to him. <laughs> like, no, there is no, I have had a great amount of time with the WWE. I've had a great amount of time with some of the stuff that he has been doing. Mm. None of it is worth a single iota of the pain he has caused. Yes. None of it. Not a single part of it. It's not worth it. 100 percent agree so it's like so like literally my my on my my side of things it's thanks for the memories you monster (laughs) that's that's all i can say frankly so i guess the final question before we get on to the main part and before we get on to other stuff is um tna has won That's TNA one now that Jeff Jarrett is now head of creative. (laughs) (laughs) The TNA hive wins. Vince truly fears Jarrett. (laughs) The king of the mountain has come back to save wrestling. We are going to fargo. All three of us, when we're together in our wrestling show, we're going to fargo strut the shit (laughs) into into the arena. It's incredible. Bro, oh. I will do the Fargo strut when you know, I, if I go to a WWE house show. <laughs> you know, it's incredible that of all the of all the episodes of ours to to now be dated, it's the TNA episode. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> I I cannot I cannot wait until someone tries to come around and then like do the whole like positive revisionism on like 2012 TNA. <laughs> It'll be fascinating. That's gonna be fascinating. Not until we do our aces and eights episode. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. brother. I don't think there's an amount of money that someone could pay me to do that. Hey, we lightly touched upon it. I feel like we should, we should, we should just go full on, really deep dive into aces and eights and Eric Bischoff's just insistence on trying to remake the NWO. But this time with. Even more motorbikes. Man likes his motorbikes. What can I say? Like you, like, I'll be honest. The man's open and front about his passions. Indeed, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, that 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 definitely tracks. So I guess like who in the who in their okay, right mind right. on their side, bingo? Side note. Oh god. What was that? What was that guy's name? Was it Garrett Bischoff? Garrett Bischoff. Yes. 
if I ha- if we have to go through it and I have to watch one of his matches, I will actually go to your house and slap you. Oh, all right, then. In that case, then it will be Wes Briscoe. <laughs> That's also giving me the same reaction. I can't lie. Oh, no. No, I am not going to put anyone through a Garrett Bischoff or Wes Briscoe match. Thank you. All right. We can anyway, it. should we get on to the episode? Shall we? Absolutely. All right. Before we get on to it as well, I just a couple of little things. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Sweet Chinwag. Of course, that's where you can help us out and contribute to the show in any way, shape or form. Any monetary amount that you would wish as well. Starting from one pound or as we like to call it, the heartbreak quid. Thank you, Dan. We're so smart. <laughs> We're just galaxy brained over here. Uh, you get access to... Uh, early episodes one day before they release also previews of video work that we're doing and exclusive access to our discord server you can find all of that patreon.com forward slash sweet chinwag any and every little helps we cannot state that enough and rip off tesco in the process uh, um, <laughs> so reardon recommendation corner did you have something for us because i know you said you did but you may have forgotten have you remembered i have now remembered i have now remembered thank goodness <laughs> guys how do you feel about cats ah. the animal or the or the theater piece oh that's very important the animal thank- okay good good <laughs> Thank goodness, because I remember one time during that uh, when that movie was released, you wanted me to see the patch update. You are coward. <laughs> patch we, update. Literally, okay. I, I, you know, yeah. I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna put this out on the street now. I'm gonna oh, put this out bro, on the street. Yo, bro, the... have you downloaded the day one patch for cats? Literally, literally, yeah. that is not an exaggeration. So. If you guys, if um, you people recall, there was a movie adaptation of Cats. It was infamously terrible. But the best part was that the special effects were so bad that they actually did it. They finished off the rest of the, the, um, the special effects as much as they could. And at a certain point, all of like the cinemas... Would get basically would basically get the day one patched version of cats. That is not a, you could look this up. Yeah, this actually happened. And during that those halcyon days, I was begging, forcing Sam that we need to go and see cats before the day one patch. I want to see it exactly how it was. Sam is a coward. He dodged me, and I missed it. And I will never forgive him. I'm sorry, Ever. baby. I didn't mean to. Yes, no, you did. You did mean to. You literally was like, I can't do this. <laughs> so I call you a coward. An absolute coward. I was ready. Can we go to the recommendation, anyway, please? <laughs> anyway, my recommendation is Stray. Yeah, That is my yeah! recommendation. Love that game. The Loved game it. that everyone has been waiting for to play as a cat running around doing cat things and uh as i'm looking it up um if you are you know getting it on a uh, on pc there is now there is now a mod that replaces the catch meow with jason from heavy rain <laughs> jason oh, God. jason 
I love it. So, I love it so much. So you have that. That is my recommendation. Everyone should get to play as a cat and run around doing their cat things, living their cat life. That is my recommendation. Lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. I also have a recommendation. Stiffbladeapparel.com just released their Maki Ito collection. And oh God, I've been so tempted to get the Maki Ito baseball jersey. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Stiffbladeapparel.co. No, we are not spawned. <laughs> but I have, but I just saw that they had a Makito collection just released, and I was like, I need to, I need to recommend the hell out of that. <laughs> and I, guys, please, I, I am so tempted. My, my finger is on the button to buy now or to add to cart, and I need to stop myself, or should I just fuck it and just get it? <laughs> your, your, your sins are your own, Sam. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> fair enough fair enough so that's that is the recommendation so we get on to our main portion our review of wwf SummerSlam from 1994 i couldn't have picked this even worse because you know we talked about the steroid trial this was one month after vince came back from the steroid trial <laughs> it's all connected i swear we've like actually made our own incidental wrestling multiverse we truly freaking have we really really have so would you like to know what was going on in august of 1994 my birth um probably something to do with some of the members of the four pillars most likely Um, but there's also some really seismic changes happening in american wrestling so would you like to see what davy meltman was writing about on the Wrestling Observer. Yeah, let's 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 find oh, out. Yeah. So from the from the August 29th edition, uh, the day of the actual pay per view, Dave <laughs> Dave writes about SummerSlam taking place this week, and it's not looking promising. Last year, SummerSlam did a buy rate of 1.3, which was considered very disappointing at the time. This year, the company would be thrilled if they could do a 1.3, but no one thinks that's even a remote possibility. The headline angle of Undertaker versus Undertaker has gotten such a cold response that the word is the angle will be killed off for good after the SummerSlam match, and the person playing under Faker, Brian Lee, will be repackaged and given a brand new gimmick. The other feud going into this, which is Owen versus Brett, started off strong early in the year at, at the Royal Rumble, but in the last few months, house show business with them on top has reached the lowest levels in company history. Apparently, their matches in the house show circuit have been quite disappointments, which Dave apparently isn't surprised by, saying that Brett's pretty well known for phoning in half-assed performances at house shows, but then delivering show stealers at pay-per-views. Also, expect Tanka to turn heel at the pay-per-view. <laughs> My 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 brother Brett knew exactly what he was on. Exactly, my guy was so far ahead of his time. <laughs> so he said, "Nah, you get the good work out of me when you pay me." <laughs> <laughs> yep. WWF also experimented with a thirty-minute live call-in show at the USA Network, and it oh, was a fucking no. disaster. Oh no! So for starters, there were technical issues, and pretty much every fan that called in only confirmed every negative stereotype type people have known about wrestling fans, also known <laughs> as dumb backwards rednecks. Yeah. Dave goes on records to say that he doesn't know if they screened the calls to make sure that no smart fans would call in, or if it was just bad luck, or if it was just the WWF fan base that was dopey. <laughs> oh boy. Vader 
and also known as Super Vader in Japan, won the UWFI title last uh, uh, the week Vader? prior. That this means is that Vader has held five different versions of a world title in his relatively short career. That being the WCW title, the IWGP title, the UWA title in Mexico, and the CWA title in Germany. Uh, so that means he's held five different world titles, which is insane. And that's only, uh, I think, a career of less than about six years. <laughs> Good work, right? Well, that brings Vader's total world title reigns to 11, which puts him at that time in 94, only one behind Ric Flair. On the wow. and, and, and I think just a, a couple over Antonio Inoki. Yeah, but Antonio Inoki was just out here just like, yeah, you know what? Someone else won the title, fine. But I've got a tournament that I have made for myself. <laughs> So, the NWA has agreed to sanction a tournament at Eastern Championship Wrestling to crown a brand new NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. In reality, Todd Gordon had made it clear that he was planning to run a tournament using the NWA, Ivel A, and the NWA wasn't in a financial position to go to court and stop him, so they just decided to get on board. This, of course, plays in to Shane Douglas winning this tournament and throwing the NWA title down. <laughs> oh my god. The moment you started that, I was like, no, there's no way this would have saved time, but I guess it would have been. It, it absolutely yeah. was. Um, <laughs> Hulk Hogan was interviewed by a Florida newspaper and had a very a lot of interesting things to say about several people. About Randy Savage, he said, I feel there's two kinds of people in this world, winners and losers. Whatever his personal problems were with his wife, that's his problem. He shouldn't drag other people into it. If he screwed up and can't keep his marriage together, he shouldn't blame other people for it. How the irony of several years later, Hogan. Oh, Hogan, it's nice to know you're always like this. As for Bret Hart, Hogan claimed he wasn't aware of anything Bret had said about him. So when the reporter told him that Bret basically called him an old washed-up dinosaur that had to go down to a second-rate company, Hogan's response was, this dinosaur doubled his ratings on a pay-per-view. He also made him seven figures. So I guess it's better to be a dinosaur than a sore loser. I mean, that's the most Hogan response possible, really. Yeah, that's a very Hogan response. In in asked if he thought he would ever end up working with WCW, Hogan responded, no way. Thing is, I was working and filming Thunder in Paradise when I met with Sting and then eventually met with Eric Bischoff, who struck a deal. Uh, and about Vince McMahon, I haven't talked to him in about a year. I just saw him and went up to testify in his steroid trial, but we didn't talk to each other. Vince is a good guy, and a, a lot of things that are not true were said about him. A lot of untrue stuff came out. I'm happy for him that the truth came out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That's the response of a man who's going, yeah, I reckon if I mess up, I can get back here soon enough. <laughs> Absolutely. So Harry Smith, the young son of Davy Boy Smith, wrestled in Calgary at a show put together by Stu Hart at his local rodeo. Harry Smith was nine years old. Okay. Yo, that's that Joshi type beat. <laughs> <laughs> and here's a thumbing that'll make you laugh, considering what's happening very soon. Uh, there. 
<laughs> WCW has booked a house show match of Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair in November at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and it will be the first time a non-McMahon wrestling show has taken place in the Garden in over four decades. Huh. Oh. Yeah. So, apart from that, of course, there's stuck a lot of stuff happening with in, in Smoky Mountain involving the gangsters. Apparently not being, uh, again, you know, New Jack causing controversy at a Southern State Wrestling promotion. Because, you know, that's what New Jack just did. Shane Douglas cutting a promo on the NWA and saying that Flair will never face him. And AAA just making waves as they usually were. Uh, but that's about all we got for this one, for, for, for the Wrestling Observer on the day of. I will come back for the Wrestling Observer notes for the SummerSlam review after we're done. So, taking place at the newly minted United Center in Chicago, Illinois. Fun fact, this is one of the very first events that took place in the United Center. What an event. To an, event, to an attendance of 23,300 and a buy rate of... Actually, would you like to guess what the buy rate was, chaps? Uh, 0.9. Yeah, I just think that's fair. It was a buy rate of 1.25. That, that equates to 300,000 buys. With the tagline, So Hot It's Scary, and sponsored by Domino's Pizza, it's WWF SummerSlam from 19... 94. Commentary tonight's provided by Vince McMahon. Ugh. Jerry the King Lawler. Ugh. And your host for this show. Oh, hell yeah, it's Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> they were just there and went like, we're going to get Macho Man on this show whatever way we can. Yeah. Oh, this brought you by the new generation of the WWF. Oh, gosh, no wonder you left so soon after, Randy. Yeah. I know. Just... <laughs> It's a poor bit, isn't it? It's, 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 even, though, even though, like, it's just a voice, really. I think he'd do a good job if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, he has the Macho Man voice. <laughs> Look, it was, it was, it wasn't so great for commentary, but for a rap album, apparently, yeah, yeah, that'll, that'll work. Yeah. Again, I know we've already done one music review. I keep telling you guys, I feel like we may have to do the Macho Man rap, rap album soon. I said, if someone pays us, we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> if someone sends us like five quid and says, review the review, be a man, I'll do Well, we'll do it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we will. <laughs> <laughs> so let us get on to our first match, our opening match. It's the Million Dollar Corporation, the team of Erwin R. Scheister. And Bam Bam Bigelow taking what on the team, taking on the Head Shrinkers, the team of Samu and Fatu. Before the match, we get the announcement that the Head Shrinkers were defeated for the tag team titles by HBK and Diesel at a house show because of politicking from Sean in 1994. Do you want to know the real reason as to why uh, why it was happening in a house show? Please. It is purely for politics. Sean apparently said, well, because I don't have the IC title, I feel like I should have a title. Can I have the tag titles, Vince? And Vince went, yeah. Wow, man. Just, it's like, pre-retirement Sean Michaels, really, it's just a different animal. 
right? absolutely is. Like, like Shawn Michaels might be the only person I like I know of who, well, one of the very few that I'm ab- that absolutely like no like no caveats is a better person for becoming a born again. <laughs> like, like oh no, straight up, straight up. Straight up. <laughs> Again, even by Sean, as we said many times, by Sean's own admission, he was a massive prick. <laughs> <laughs> and gosh, we are in peak prickiness. Prickiness is that a word? Well, it is now for Sean yeah. Michaels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, here comes the Million Dollar Corporation, and here's Ted Senior in his tuxedo bomber jacket. Uh, seriously, it's a fit that only Ted DiBiase could work with. It really is. <laughs> Here come the head shrinkers, accompanied by Captain Lou Albano and Arthur. I love it. Uh, Captain Lou coming out, going "Billy, Billy, Billy," as he's making his way down the ring. I mean, basically, my only thing that I have to say about this is, I don't care that the Million Dollar Corporation is a thing. What in the hell? <laughs> Is Bam Bam Bigelow and Owen Arshoyster doing together? Everybody's got a price, and apparently that was enough for the Bama. <laughs> yeah, but this kind the of visual of these two men does not fit. Oh no, not yeah. in any way. In the visual of these two really does sum up like the new generation's problem. Yes, doesn't it? It's this. Because the, the entire of SummerSlam 1994 is peak new generation problems. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it starts from the very beginning. It, it's this quite like... It's... Let me, I mean, it's like, you know, the, the, old, the old world refuses to die. The new hasn't been born. Now is the time <laughs> for Undertaker v. Undertaker. Yes. It yeah. really is just this horrific it, it, middle it's period. Thing, which is, I have no problem with Owen R. Scheister on his own. I'm quite a big fan of Bam Bam Bigelow myself. Mm. Seeing them together in a tag team with Ted DiBiase Sr. <laughs> against the Head Shrinkers is a thing which my brain cannot compute. You know, it, you... it, it, it's like when I, you know, I say to you, Sam. Those are all words that I know, but when used in that particular configuration, mean nothing to me. You've now made me want to um, let you guys know. Would you like to know all of the members of the Million Dollar Corporation during its tenure? Because you will laugh your ass off with the how many silly, how out of place most of these people are. Okay. okay. So, at the top, we have the leader, Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. Yes. Nikolai Volkov. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ted DiBiase's Undertaker, or as we will call him from now on, the Underfaker. Yep. Okay. Erwin R. Scheister. Yeah, makes sense, right? Bam Bam Bigelow. Don't get that one, but pop off. Someone that will pop up in tonight's in tonight's show and our review, but I'll leave that for later, so not spoil the surprise for anyone who's not watched SummerSlam 94. So redacted for now. King Kong Bundy. Why? 
Karma, the supreme fighting machine, a.k.a. Charles Wright. <laughs> so, proto-godfather... <laughs> No, he was the kick-ass. Uh, he was he was he was the he was the MMA fighter. This was his MMA gimmick. He had an MMA gimmick. Yes. He had an MMA yes. gimmick. Um, so in 1994, he in had an MMA gimmick. Yeah, Only the doctor. It, it All was, right. It was it it was like the whole. Um. It, it was the we'll say proto MMA. Yes. Uh, Psycho Sid. Yeah, but look, right? That's just Sid. Sid's based. We can't. That's we can't. It. We can't have discussion on this. Sid what? just does what he wants. It's fine. My my guy had that. He my guy had written into his contract that he can go and play softball. That's a king, right exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly. The one, two, three, kid. Sure. The ringmaster. Uh, okay. Yeah, we know about that. And yeah, obviously, that makes... the one that makes me laugh from the South Pole, Santa Claus. Uh, it's the second time we've mentioned why is Ted DiBiase Senior hiring evil Santa are you okay Dan I don't know and thus concludes concludes breaking the pair of your minds with the million dollar corporation shall shall we go over the the, the cliff notes of this first match so sure. kind of saved Dan's sanity. Isn't it funny that five years later, Fatu of the Head Shrinkers would be wearing a thong and giving people stink faces? But I digress. Yeah, uh, you know, that's just the way wrestling goes. Yep, yep, yep. Start of the match, Captain Lou's going belly, belly, belly. Jerry the King's being racially insensitive to Samoans. And we get Bam Bam and Fatu kicking the action off. Big shoulder tackle by Bama. Fatu hits a nice looking super kick. Scoop slam attempt thwarted by Bama for a two count and a, and a really... Really good gum and geary from uh, from Bam Bam. He always was really good with his gum and gearies and anzagearies. Early early Bam Bam hits different. I mean, he, the guy was pulling off moon salts as well. So yeah, early Bam Bam's great. Like, don't let anyone take that away from you. <laughs> Bama goes to the top rope and misses the flying whoopsie. Fatu turns Bama inside out with a hell of a lariat. And then we get Samu and Fatu with tandem super kicks. Bama tags in IRS and gets thrown out by Samu for a two ca- uh, thrown around I should say by Samu for a two count. IRS misses the splash, sent over the top rope. Here's a question: How can anyone comfortably wrestle in a shirt, tie, braces, and suit trousers? An absolute madman who has no regard for in, his own well-being. Three minutes really in, is. he is sweating profusely. Like, he is just, like, not even, like, I'd say not even three minutes in, but he is just he's like He's like those people who do theatre productions and then because, like, the scene mm. has to have the trapping of being outside, they insist on wearing, like, a massive coat. Yes. And I just have to stand there and look at them and just go, you're a braver man than I am. <laughs> so Bam Bam sends uh, Fatu flying over the top rope and then sends Fatu's head into IRS's briefcase Fatu and Bama collide into one hour at full speed in the middle of the ring Samu and IRS both tag in respectively and Samu's cleaning house Samu goes up to the top rope and a big Samoan headbutt just for a two count double skull crushing finale and an Uso splash from the head shrinkers <laughs> But the ref is distracted by Ted Senior. Here comes Lou, and he gets knocked out by Bama. 
Here comes Affa for the save, a DQ that gives Bama and IRS the win. Big trio headbutt from the head shrinker sends Bama flying out and the end of the match. Now, here's the thing. This match probably would have had a lot more stakes if it were the tag title match that it was supposed to be. Yeah. And if that was the case that you were going to give it to Sean and Diesel the day of, why not just replace it by Sean, Sean and Diesel versus IRS and Bam Bam? Yeah, that's it's, a good point, actually. It's it's like this had no stakes to it. It was just nothing to it whatsoever. The, you know, it is staggering how this match is one of the longer matches on the card. It's crazy. It's quite ridiculous. I mean, this match is what, like eight, seven minutes, twenty seconds. It ends on. That's a horrifying concept. I'll be honest. Yeah, like <laughs> our next match, which I am shocked is longer. I am astounded that it's longer. So, uh, any other thoughts before we give our ratings about this opening match, fellas? I mean, there's not really a whole lot to say. It's kind of just there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, would it be better if it had the titles? Maybe, I guess, because there'd be like a bit of jeopardy, but not really. Mm. So, ratings for this match. We'll start with you, Reardon. What do you have? What, what do you got for this out of five? I give this match a head shrinkers out of five <laughs> because. <laughs> I'm the glad you went the same direction. I'm glad you went the same direction as me for a silly one. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I, I can't, I can't get over that name. The Head Shrinkers. Look right. The... Sam- Samoa, you know, Equatorial <laughs> Guinea. They're both the same. Yeah. This no, is, they're this not. Is, this is this is this is this is opening the entire discussion, which is. WWE strange reverence and yet complete misunderstanding of Polynesian culture. Because, God, to, to WWE, if you are from the Pacific, you are from Samoa. And it you, doesn't yes. matter. And if, you have and if, a, you're, if, you're, if you're from Hawaii, you can be from Japan. That's a whole other thing. And remember, but, if you're Polynesian in any way, shape, or form, you have a hardened skull. Yes. <laughs> That's wrestling, that, that's wrestling law. <laughs> Cause I'll never I'll never forget the thing about <laughs> when I think it was when it was back when like the Usos first debuted and they did the they did the dance in their entrance, which yeah. is like a the the Tongan ver a Tongan version of a hacker. Mm. Mm. And then I remember they'd call them doing Samoan drops. And then they'd po- try and point out the fact that that's like related to them. And I'm like, well, they're Tongan, so <laughs> Tonga and Samoa are different places. Just oh man. So Dan, rating for this match. I mean, it's like. I think I normally use out of five. I can't remember. I'm fairly sure I use normally use out of five. Mm. Uh, I'll give this like a one. It is a thing that is simply there. I give this a belly, belly, belly out of five. <laughs> there Captain, it is. Because Captain Lou is the only thing that's kind of sort of redeemable. Because come on, it's Captain Lou. <laughs> that's about it. That's about it. I'll be honest. Uh, so, guys, we've talked about our love 
for Leslie Nielsen in the past. So who should show up but Frank Drebin and Captain Ed Hocken? They're both on the case to find the ever-elusive Undertaker, who's been out of action since the Royal Rumble, losing to Yokozuna in a casket match. <sighs> Look, I have a soft spot for, like, Police Squad uh, and Naked Gun, like, Zaz humour of, of the Naked yes, Gun series. As, so seeing As we all do. So seeing we Frank Drebin just in, like, in WWF trying to find the Undertaker, I have a soft spot for it. I'm not gonna lie. I don't blame you. And you know, if there was ever a time for for like for the naked gun to be canon to the WWF, it's now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't I don't hate it too much. It's um, just it it's my my thing with these segments is purely just that like I I like Police Squad. In fact, I love Police Squad a lot. Mm. Yes. Um, I like the Naked Gun movies, and I appreciate what they were trying to do here. But man, it 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 felt like some kind of outside force was not letting them be as funny as they could be. Yeah, and, and you know who that was? Yeah. It was probably Vince. It probably was Vince. There's Vince only there's only so much so ridiculous that they will allow the Zucker brothers to do. <laughs> uh, really, kind of nice, like like heartwarming story about this. Um, Leslie Nielsen personally asked to have um, George Kennedy uh, play his role of Ed here because um, uh, George had fell on hard times monetarily and he wanted to make sure that he got a really nice payday out of this. Good. Nice. nice. So, Leslie Nielsen again just being awesome. Just being so freaking awesome. Okay, that brings us to our second match. Oh, gosh, I'm glad that this came up. We've got Alundra Blaze versus Bornicano with Luna Fashon for the WWF Women's Championship. What a treat we get here. A legendary women's rivalry here, full of great hits. Mate, isn't it crazy that, but like three years before this, this, this title they're competing for just didn't exist? Yeah. It's nuts. Genuinely nuts. And uh, they made a good decision in bringing Medusa slash Alundra Blaze in to kind of be the, the figurehead for that division. Uh, it's just a shame that it ended with them not taking it seriously anymore and kind of almost this was, forgetting that Alundra existed. This was the precursor to the second time that Vince would refuse to work with Joshi wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. Also, yep. also it's, like, it, it's oh. that scene from Phineas and Ferb where he's like, if I had a nickel for every single time that Vince refused to work with Joshi wrestlers, I'd only have two nickels, which isn't much, but it's strange that it's happened twice. <laughs> Annoying, more like. Also, may I just say, before we get in into this, Luna Vachon uh, accompanying Bulnacano is just like, oh man, that is inspired pairing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Such inspired pairing. Oh. Dude, I mean, I mean, I think Dan knew that I was going to be like this. Um, I, I always have a soft spot for Bornicano. She's one of my favorite wrestlers. I'll tell, I'll tell you what this is. This, this match, along with the the series of them that they they happen to have going on through time. Mm. There are multiple Andre Blaze Bornicano matches, and most of them are great. Even though most of them don't go beyond like six minutes. Yeah. This match is like 
the multiverse opened up and we got like a like people in like 1994 got like a brief vision into the future yeah so i just and then all of a sudden that peak into the future was like ripped away from them (laughs) yeah oh this is crazy to think right this is 1994 yeah and if you think of the wwe women's title in 2004 (laughs) yeah it's nice that's weird isn't it hell i mean forget that think what 1997 yeah and 97, 98, like, it, it's crazy to see where it was, where it was, like, crystallized in this point mm-hmm. and, like, kind of what the trajectory could have been that we were not afforded. Yeah. I mean, I blame one there's, person there's, in particular for that, but I won't yes. mention his name. Um. Because there's basically nothing that I think myself or Sam really to say about how good Paul Nakano is. Um, because I'm a really big fucking fan of hers. Um, and especially her work rate for the time. Yeah. Probably a lot of people in that audience had never seen anything like that. It's a great thing. It's almost like an, a condensed AJW match taking place in a WWF ring. Yeah, it, 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 it it's a visual distinction. <laughs> Yeah. So, oh man, they, they pull out all the stops and try and get as much as they possibly can from their previous matches and encounters into this. So, the hair whip spot where Ball throws Alundra Blaze across the ring. Uh, oh by, yeah, by she, her she launches her with it though. <laughs> Giant, big old leg drop from Ball. Oh, Blaze with just like, she has such a good Hurricane Rana. Such a good and Harrison again, runner at this time. This was like before it really became a thing in the US. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, one moment as well that I absolutely love was when Alundra Blaze goes to the well again for the Hurricane Runner and Ball just flattens her with a power bomb. It's like you Dude, hear it's... you hear her throw Alundra Blaze to the mat and hard. It, it, it ain't a drop. It's a nah. You going down? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Uh, one thing I've always loved two two submissions that Ball does is the Boston Crab by holding both legs with one in one arm. I love yes. that. Also, one of my favorite submission moves of all time: the Ball's Angelito, which is basically an inverted sharp sharpshooter with a camel clutch in there as well. And I believe that Paige as well actually to adopted. Yeah, that pa- move. Paige used to use a. I mean, it's just the visual. More people need to use that. More wrestlers need to use that. And then her literally holding her up off the ground. It's the visual. It is the visual because it looks, it it looks, and the people that do sell it make it look fucking painful. Yes, because it looks it. Yeah. People need to use the Bulls Angelito a lot more. That's all I'm saying. Yes, please do. Please do. So Aluna attacks Alundra behind the ref's back. Blaze, though, manages to get a roll-up for the just for on um, Ball for a two-count. But Ball Meccano sees this and tries to rip Alundra Blaze's arm off with an armbar. <laughs> Big old pile driver, but Ball manages to reverse that. But we get Ball Meccano going up for the for the big old leg drop and gets absolutely nothing. Alundra Blaze with 
Honestly, I've been watching wrestling for the longest time, and there is no one that has a more beautiful bridge of a German suplex than Lundra Blaze does with this German. Again, that's that that's that Joshi practice. <laughs> she gets the free with the German and successfully retains the women's title. Again, as I said, this is an AJW match that is that has been condensed for a WWE audience. Solid match. Loved that it was just basically Ball Nakano dominating most of the match, and it was one slip up that caused the loss. Um, and after this, they would continue to have banger after banger. As a matter of fact, they would end up having an absolute banger at the Tokyo Dome. Yep. So, uh, Dan, any thoughts on this one? I mean, in terms of in terms of what it is, you got Ball Nakano doing. I mean, her her usual fantastic heel stuff. Lots of submission work, which I assume was probably relatively new to the US at the time. I can't which, imagine. I I'm, can't imagine there was much of it. The closest is the closest is Brett and Owen, right? Like they're yeah. the closest guys. Brett Owen, right? yeah, I can't, but I still can't imagine. I can, I can maybe imagine Owen doing it, but I can't imagine Brett backing out a, a cross arm breaker. <laughs> yeah, you know fair. what I mean? Like no, that's fair. You know, it's it's a different kind of thing, and it's it's so incredible to see this kind of like just all condensed down, and just get this like glimpse into the future. Which again, it's hilarious because it, again, to draw parallels to memes, it's it's that scene from Back to the Future where he's like, "I guess you guys aren't ready for that, but your kids will love it." Oh yeah, <laughs> the audience at the time was not prepared for this. Not in any but way. You look, but you look back on it now, and it's like, oh my god. This is what you had. Mm-hmm. And yeah. This is, this, this, is what, this is what things could have been. And, and, we didn't up. Get to, <laughs> and we didn't get to see it. So, I mean, ranking, rating-wise, trying my best to put aside my own just personal love for Born Nakano anyway, I think I'm going to go three and a half. Three and three quarters. I went for three out of five for this one. This was, again, putting my personal biases aside on three, both three, competitors. Three and a half. Three and a half. Um, you know, this is it's a clean sweep. Three and a half. <laughs> there I was gonna, just, like, look, It is a very interesting... I, it, is, it is the fact that the audience don't know what they're looking at. They don't know what they're looking at. Exactly. What is this? It's they have no they have no cultural reference for this kind of wrestling, and it shows. It amazes me what these two would end up doing after professional wrestling. So Alundra Blaze became a professional monster truck driver. Yes, based and still is a monster truck driver to this day. Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, Borna Kano became a professional golfer and actually ended up being on the LG, uh, no, sorry, the LPGA, I should say. Yes. Hey, look, right, you got to have something to do in your day. Yeah. Apparently, you know what? she's re- apparently one of Japan's best like golfers during her time as well. You know what? Yeah. Before before we keep moving, shout out to Monster Trucks just as a concept. Yes. <laughs> like. Can we give a shout out? Can we give a shout out to like monster trucks just as like a cultural artifact? Yeah, absolutely. Except for the monster truck sumo match between the giant and Hulk Hogan at Halloween Havoc '97. Apart from yeah, that, that, yes, that's a separate thing, right? Yeah, but that's that has nothing to do with like the monster trucks. That's to, that's to do with Hogan. Exactly. Exactly. 
Shoutouts to Mods Chikes. Anyway, we uh we have the MVP of the new generation. Yes. Yes, Todd Pettengill. Yes, about time we saw something with One Todd Pettengill. One of the few good things about the new generation. He is backstage with Shawn Michaels and Diesel before he defends the Intercontinental title against Razor Ramon. They talk about their tag title win and how Shawn wants more gold. <laughs> Obviously, because, you know, you are you, Shawn. Um... Diesel ends up uh, spouting about how his moniker should be Midas because everything he touches turns to gold. And I'll take That's, a, I'll, I'll take it. Does not that does not mean what he thinks it means? <laughs> yeah, he 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 obviously someone has not read the rest of that story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, I'll take a direct line here and a quote from uh, from Diesel here. Me and the heartbreak like where we're at, and that's on top. Excuse me, what? Me and the heartbreak. <laughs> my my brother's going through it right now. Okay. Also, in that during the close up, I, I'll say this: Kevin Nash looks absolutely fucking deranged. That it looks tracks. like he's been on a bit of a bender. Whether that's alcohol or drugs, you decide. He, he's been on Why the council both? powder. Why not both? Uh, and so we end that and we get into our next match. It's match three. Razor Ramon with sweetness. Walter Payton going up against Diesel with HBK at his side for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh yeah, ladies and gents, it's Big Riggs. Your winner as Diesel enters at the United Center with Shawn Michaels in tow. And I absolutely forgot that his first theme was just truck noises. <laughs> just, uh... That's a choice yeah, right there. Because he's Diesel. <laughs> also, I had to throw the Big Rigs reference in there because, you know, you're a winner. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Look, right, again, shout out to a cultural artifact, Big Rigs <laughs> over the road racing. Oh, no, don't, sh don't shout out to that. Don't do that. What are you doing? It, it, it's a cultural artifact. Some things are artifacts for a reason, Dan. <laughs> yes, and it is a testament to the fact of not every person should work in creating games. <laughs> God, okay, continue. Move on, man. So, God, God, God bless you, bad guy. We all fucking miss you, Scott. Yes. <laughs> Down, here comes Razor, flanked by NFL legend, Chicago legend as well, Walter Payton. And damn, Razor was just cool as all heck. Just the man oozed machismo. Just, a lot, just I love, just love to see Scott Hall in his element, especially as Razor Ramon. So the match starts yeah. with a toothpick throw and punches in bunches. Diesel sent flying out the ring and Sean gives him a pep talk to rally Big Daddy Cool up. That works as Diesel gets on the offensive back in the ring and does the big boot choke in the corner to Razor while Sean pulls his hair out of sight of the ref, Earl Hebner. Yay! <laughs> Here comes the rest hold from Diesel. As Razor powers out of it with a back suplex, Diesel selling the hell out of it, may I add. 
But Diesel still has the advantage as he throws Razor out of the ring. Whilst Walter Payton is coming to the aid of Razor Ramon, Sean uses this distraction to remove the turnbuckle padding from the corner. He taunts Payton as he squares up to, as Payton squares up to him, but Earl Hebner stops Walter in his tracks, giving Sean enough time to jump up the steps and clothesline Razor Ramon outside. <laughs> Which, by the way, great timing on Sean's part to get that done right. <laughs> oh yeah. The hot-dogging and grandstanding from Sean and Diesel is short-lived, though, as Razor is back at the ring to beat the 10 count. Walter Payton during the match kind of does seem like a bit of a deer in the headlights at certain I parts. I mean, again, I'm yeah. fairly sure that he was probably just told, look, just just be out there, right? They'll, they'll sort out the rest of it. But there are times where you could see that Sean's kind of giving him a little direction as to what to do, and there's little t parts where he sees where you can see that Earl try gives gives him a little bit of direction. Case in point, when he, Peyton tries to point out to the ref that the turnbuckle's exposed, times it well enough, because Earl then jumps right between um, Diesel and, and the turnbuckle post, right before he uh, Diesel can Irish whip uh, Razor Ramon into it. But four seconds later, Diesel manages to Irish whip Razor into the exposed turnbuckle. We get a big side slam for a two count. Snake eyes to the turnbuckle. Oh, watch out. Undertaker's watching. And Razor's out for the count. Someone stealing my moves. Razor, Razor fires up after a submission, but is stopped in his tracks with a big boot. And we get another rest hold. This time we get an abdominal stretch. But Diesel's using the ropes oh. for leverage. And I love this game of cat and mouse where Diesel just lets go of it as Earl kind of gets up to look. He does it again. Earl gets up to have a look and lets go. But it's only the third time. Huzzah! <laughs> Earl finally catches him, whips him off, and, and Razor goes and puts Diesel in his own abdominal stretch. A Snake Eyes attempt again from Diesel to the exposed turnbuckle is reversed, and Razor gets a roll up for just a two count big knee lift like a genuinely like razor put all put his all in that knee and especially the <laughs> slap on the back of diesel as well you can tell that you you can tell that they're friends because they want to hurt each other oh they said oh you can tell that the click are just like we are selling for ourselves and nobody else during this oh yeah they, they they are fully invested in the thing of that nah, don't worry I'll, I'll make it look i'll make it look good for you <laughs> So HBK's on the apron, and as he's on that apron, is flown right into the guardrail for Razor Ramon, doing the Hogan selling as well, my I add. <laughs> they yeah. did him some <laughs> Walter Payton has finally had enough and goes after Shawn Michaels as he attempts to use the Intercontinental belt to hit Razor Ramon with. Whilst the ref tries to take it off of Walter Payton, Shawn attempts to switch in music but hits Diesel by accident. Peyton pulls HBK out the ring and Razor crawls over Diesel to get the free and we have a brand new Intercontinental Champion. As I said, proof that the Click will always make sure to put on good matches with themselves and nobody else. Honestly... Say, crawl over Diesel is concerning <laughs> because I'm like, don't do it, that's dangerous. The fumes! The fumes, Razor! <laughs> Oh gosh! It, honestly, that, that actually was quite a good match between these two. We're pretty back, yeah. Good, pretty good back and forth from the two throughout. Um, any thoughts, gents, on this one? It isn't just that, like the height of the click being the click, <laughs> yeah. doing their stuff, making sure. But you know, 
it's a good match. You know, they like they like that's the thing when when they're not being when they're not being dickheads to people, they do the, a really good job. Yeah, that's that's always the thing about this era. Mm. Yeah, that's basically the thing. It's like this is a really good match because it's one of those times where I can feel like Diesel, aka Kevin Nash, is actually trying. <laughs> <laughs> It's rare to come by, but there are times. Where like, I don't. I don't know. Try. I don't know how. I don't know how to describe it other than just the fact of like you can tell they're actually trying, and then that's actually the good bit. <laughs> and we never, yeah. we'd never see Kevin try again until at least. Uh, I think never. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Well, until he actually won the WWF title, but then that's about it. I guess, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, not a bad match. I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give this one three out of five, because honestly, I think, like, Diesel and Razor actually went out and tried to have a decent match with one another, and it worked. Yeah. I'd probably go three out of five as well. It's it's a pretty good. I don't want to say by the books, mm. but like it, I I feel like it's one of the it's a good match to use, where like if you wanted to use it as like an example mm. to say like hey if you're wrestling this is probably a good idea of like what to do. This is a very serviceable WWF television match. Yeah, like it, like as 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 like a as like a match to understand like how WWF do their stuff. I feel like this is a pretty good example, and I feel like there's a lot there's a lot to learn from this match from mm-hmm. someone watching it. But it may not necessarily be my first choice for entertainment. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Breeden. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go for free. I think that. It's it's a it's a very like I I this sounds like it's worse than it is, but it's a serviceable match. Mm. You know, I am reasonably entertained by this match. <laughs> For the first time ever, chaps, I get to tell you that we have a bonus segment. Oh oh. So if you had the pleasure of owning SummerSlam '94. The Coliseum video slash Silver Vision version, you got an exclusive backstage segment with Diesel. Oh no. Oh. Diesel cutting a promo, getting angry that he lost the uh, the IC belt, calling out Sean for not being there when he needed him, and then holding the tag team title and saying, and I quote, oh yeah, I got this, throws it down. What a pittance. Ah. <laughs> oh. What the fuck, Kevin? <laughs> Come on, man. That's a man who clearly spent too much time around 1994 Shawn Michaels. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought I'd throw that one in in case you two would love to know to, to know about that. And of course, that has become a running gag 
in OSW review. Big shout out oh, to uh, Chris uh, Chris Reload Last Save who uh, who managed to grab me a little clip from that <laughs> as well. So thank you, Chris. I appreciate you, dude. All oh, right. Geez. We're back with Todd Pettengill, baby. He's backstage with Lex Luger and Tatanka as he reads the results of a fan poll to see if Lex has indeed sold out to the Million Dollar Corporation. 54% of fans agree that Lex has sold out to Ted DiBiase. I don't want to know how much the phone bill was for that. <laughs> the call-ins of that hot. <laughs> yeah, it's like, jeez. That, that was one of the ones where it was like, <laughs> cool, calls cost like three, cost like three dollars plus a dollar fifty for every minute. <laughs> plus your standard charging rate as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is basically they're recapping the rivalry that's led up to this point with the over and Tatanka goes over the overwhelming evidence that Lex has indeed sold out. In my mind, I could not get that WrestleMania album song of Tatanka Buffalo out of my head when I saw Tatanka. Let me let me you know just say the moment you said the moment that you start you were gonna start with doing the match re. I was going to do the bit, so... <laughs> there it is. There it is, folks. Okay, so match four. It's Tatanka versus Lex Luger. Tatanka here, not sporting his famous red streaked hair here. Actually, there is a reason as to why. Uh, in storyline, uh, he was scalped by Bam Bam Bigelow. Excuse me, what the oh, fuck? Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, repeat that. Symbolic, symbolic, symbolically scalped. What are you on about? What are you talking about? Bam Bam basically cut off his red hair, but the commentators and Vince said Tatanka's just been scalped. I think someone has grossly misunderstood the situation here. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. But then again... Hey, the so you remember how I said earlier that WWE has a reverence yet failure at understanding yes, Polynesian cultures? Point. I have a feeling they might have the same towards Native Americans. I don't know what would give me that impression. I don't know where okay. you're getting that from. But the real reason as to why the red hair is gone is that the constant bleaching was actually making Tatanka's hair fall out. Oof. I'll be honest, I thought you were going to say that he got sued. No, no. <laughs> No, it was just the the constant having to top up the bleaching just made his hair start to fall out. So that's why he like gelled his fringe down to cover up the uh, the, the, the damaged hair, uh, looking like a right knacker from the late nineties that would go to a club wearing Burberry and having a sovereign ring. Yeah, I am talking about my eldest brother, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, the heat going on on the older brother, eh? Fair enough. <laughs> I still don't let it slide. He looked Nah, like... you you just you just straight up said, nah, you ain't getting out of this. You ain't getting out of this. No, he is not. <laughs> also, may I just add, gents, I think this is the very first appearance from Lex Luger on our reviews. And all I'll say is about time and all. <laughs> Shocking! I was thinking, like, where have, where have we talked about Lex? 
Have we mentioned him? I think we have. We must have. We, def- we definitely have. We have mentioned him in previous episodes, but we never... surely, surely he came up in WCW. He did surely. indeed. But this is the first time he's appeared on a pay-per-view review. I am so happy. I am so happy we get to talk about <laughs> Lex Luger. And I'm so happy we get to talk about just Lex Luger being Lex. Anyway, the match starts with both men arguing like little kids in the middle of the ring. And we finally get Lex locking up with Tatanka to kick the action off. Big headlock with Luger selling. <laughs> it's only Luger can sell Lex during a match. Lu- Lex Luger selling is another thing in- entirely. <laughs> and once Remember I- when I said Diesel versus... Uh, Razor Ramon was an example. Yes. Lex Luger's selling is not an example. <laughs> it's not an example. Because once someone points out to you, you cannot unhear. Every little thing Lex does has to be... Ah! 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 He, has to, he has to scream everything he does in the ring. <laughs> oh, so... Both men trade wrist locks. Tatanka scores a cross body for a two count, but Luger rolls him up quickly for another two. And Tatanka, with a huge knife edge chop, like that one reverbs across the United Center. You love to see it, honestly. Yep, yep, yep. Lex then, in retaliation, hip tosses Tatanka to the middle of the ring and lifts him up for a suplex and another two count. Lex missing with the elbow, and Tatanka comes up with a Big, big old power slam. We then get the rain dance around the ring and a chop. And then another rain dance for another chop and a quick two count. Suplex going to the top rope. Tatanka hits a top rope chop and only still just a two count. He, he, he goes to the well one too many times as Tatanka misses the flying buffalo. <laughs> Lex comes back with the lariat and his selling once more. Ouch! (laughs) And who should come down to the ring but Ted DiBiase once more, this time with a patriotic bag of money. The patriotic bag of money. What a great summation of the US. <laughs> Lex yeah. spots- yeah, Senior was not intending to be as uh <laughs> subtle symbolic. Uh I assume he was not intending to be as symbolic as he was in that singular moment, but oh my god, it's a fantastic microcosm of the US. <laughs> Here comes uh, so Lex sees Ted out the corner of his eye, and it distracts him long enough. For the Tonka to get the roll up and the free. Oh the my win. god, it's the roll up of death. Uh, it, it, did it begin here? Is this its origin? Is this the secret origin so, of the roll up of death? This, yeah, you might, yeah, pretty much. So Tatanka finally shows his true colors, and he is the redacted member of the Million Dollar Corporation. It was Tatanka all along that sold out to Ted DVRC. Ah, yes. Notable heel, Tatanka. He puts him in the million dollar dream and Ted DiBiase stuffs a hundred dollar bill in Lex's unconscious mouth to end this match. Right, now listen, guys. It may be because of my love of OSW and it could be because of my dad, IQ Wrestler. But now I think I have ended up having a soft spot for Lex Luger for some reason now. All right, no, no, no. Let me say this. As much as I clown Lex Luger, <laughs> right? 
there are some good Lex Luger moments and matches. Is he as unilaterally bad as some people say he is? Personally, I don't think so. <laughs> because but who- this match... <laughs> <laughs> This match fucks or this match? (laughs) (laughs) In my honest, in my personal opinion, this Uh, match is ass. Honestly, I'm there with you. I'm just glad it didn't outstay its welcome. It was short, succinct. Yes. (laughs) And and to the point, I guess you could say, was the good thing about it. Yeah. Um, Also, it makes me laugh, isn't it? That Lex Luger, the real American, Polish guy. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, look, right? <laughs> just this is just... It, basically, everything about this is a mess. <laughs> so, I'll say this. It's a one out of five at a stretch. And that's I was only gonna, because I of was gonna go for. I was going to go for three quarter... For three quarter star. <laughs> Which it was originally going to be half a star, but then I thought, you know what, Lex Luger's kind of funny. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know, man. It's between like it, it's one like zero point seven five a star. <laughs> I'm not. There you go. I, I think you know what I think it is, though. I think I have like after a bit. I think I have a like a a distinct dislike of Tatanka. Frankly, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I, I, I legitimately, I think there's something about that damn that damn album episode that just made me just not like Tatanka. <laughs> you mean you don't like Tatanka Buffalo? <laughs> Move on. This means he doesn't like he doesn't get he doesn't get uh, Tatanka Wild Wings anytime soon. <laughs> anyway. God damn it! Oh my gosh! I almost forgot about these during this time. This, this, this ages this tremendously. The WWF Hotline. This, uh, ladies and gents, is where they would get wrestlers during the pay per view to receive live calls from paying customers, and they could ask them. I'm sorry, anything. but this seems just like a recipe for disaster. And guess what? It absolutely fucking was. It was notorious. For a lot of fans just asking nonsensical questions and wanting insider info. <laughs> it's almost like giving people unfettered, unscreened access to a hotline direct to a live show but is ha- a really bad idea. But here's the thing, right? Uh, fans getting a direct line to a professional wrestler... It's strange how this hotline morphed into wrestling Twitter. Oh no. <laughs> it just shows that Twitter this is, was... the, this is the proto wrestling forum. It really is. It really is like like it it just shows like I remember this is gonna be this is a slight sidebar, but it is I remember like when they saw when we found like like ancient Rome graffiti mm. and it's just basically the same damn thing like people saying that oh Maximus has a small dick and stuff oh no I don't sorry side note out of all of this this was not the intersection you were expecting while watching an episode about SummerSlam listening to an episode about SummerSlam 1994 <laughs> go read the archive of Pompeii graffiti it's yes. brilliant yeah it's I just highly recommend it. yeah it's just 
just proving that human beings will never, ever change my god. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Oh, oh boys. We get to it. It's match five. Here it's we our, go. It's our go. one true constant. It's a wild slap nuts. <laughs> Double J. Jeff Jarrett's here, baby. Yes. This is the good shit now. Oh, now the rivalry. This is country versus rap as he takes on men on a missions, Mabel. Man, rap has never got love in professional wrestling, isn't it? Yes, I am even there's, including John Cena in that. There, there, there is a reason for that, and I'll see if you can figure it out. <laughs> so I want to pose a question directly to Reardon. Okay. Purple and gold. Why has it only ever worked for Prince and Razor Ramon? <laughs> Listen... Again, back to Roman times. I can't believe this is a, this is a, a consistent through line here. Purple and gold was like was specifically used for like I want to say the, the emperor or at least Roman senators. I want to say the emperor. Yeah, That's why. Emperor. Yeah, the emperor. Like it is the colors of royalty. So you gotta pull that shit off like perfectly, otherwise it ain't gonna work ever. I mean, like as a, as a, as a color combo, I've, obviously I would say in modern times now probably more identifiable with the LA Lakers. Yeah, yeah. But like, but like even even just even just outside that, like you gotta stick to the colorway. You can't abandon the colorway in any way, shape, or form. Because anything else ruins it. <laughs> I think basically what we're decided we're realizing here is to have to be able to rock purple and gold. You gotta be cool as hell. And yeah. Mabel is not. <laughs> yes. And so is so is an Oscar. Which, by the way, guys, thoughts on uh, on Oscar's rap uh, to the ring. <laughs> it was a thing that ex- that was said. <laughs> Yes, that is it. Thank you. Moving the, uh, on. The acclaimed this was not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we kick this match off with Jarrett locking up and being eventually, and of course, overpowered by Mabel. As he goes, as Mabel goes to hit the corner, he manages, Jeff manages to dodge him. Oh, no, we get a Fargo strut, baby. Oh, we get a Fargo strut. The first of many yes. in this match. Yo, Jeff hit the emote button. <laughs> Jarrett attempts a wrist lock. Well, the tall button is just a strut. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Jarrett attempts a wrist lock, but Mabel again overpowers him. But as he, uh, but for some reason, Mabel does his own Fargo strut, which also, which I, I, I shit you not, gets a genuine chuckle out of Vince. Which I feel like the only two times he's ever broken character to laugh is this and the time when Booker T made him laugh his ass off when he said, I've got to play some bingo. <laughs> So, <laughs> big old choke for Mabel, but Jarrett manages to leapfrog him, goes to dive under his feet, but Mabel drops an elbow on Jarrett's back. Oh, ow, fuck. That must have hurt. <laughs> a scoop yes. slam and a clothesline over the top rope. Jarrett manages to throw Oscar down as he's badmouthing Double J, which you do never badmouth Double J. <laughs> Jarrett manages to grab Mabel's leg and throws him out. Brett ro- Brett's rope for a flying fist drop and 
What, Jarrett? Did Jarrett miss him? Because there was like three, three seconds of dead air where Vince wasn't sure whether Jarrett hit him or not. He definitely missed. He definitely, he definitely missed. missed. But though, he goes to the well again and we get a Brett Rope axe handle. Again, for Jarrett, he goes to the top rope, but Jeff Jarrett's caught, but he manages to rake Mabel's eyes. A piggyback sleeper from Jeff ends him with him being squashed in the turn. Can I can buckle. I can I just say this? <laughs> Go the, <clears throat> the second rope and top rope axe handle is like one of the most boring moves in wrestling to me. Yes. Yeah, but it just sucks it's because of, I I love a good axe handle. Mm. I like a good running axe handle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like the the top rope axe handle or second rope axe handle is one of the most boring and most uninspired moves to me. It's one of those moves that you have to do when you can't be agile anymore and can't do a crossbody. Hey, Chris Jericho. It's giving default CAW. Yes. (laughs) Mabel pulling out a spinning back kick. What the fuck? What? Where the hell did that come from? He was hiding that away in the locker. <laughs> so whilst those two are recuperating from that seismic event that just happened, here comes Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Oh shit! Now I have to explain who fucking Knuckleball is. All right. So yeah. So this is a gimmick from the Brooklyn Brawler. Basically, he is an angry baseball fury who's on strike. Because the MLB were on strike. <laughs> and Vince is so topical, especially when he can poke fun at other sports. Topical humour, anyone? Like, legit, you look, I was going to say, if, you sh- if I can find a picture, Reed, and he literally is a baseball fury. No, I, I do love myself a baseball fury, but... Uh... But his paint is like... What have we painty, got? His, paint, his face paint is yeah, making him like a baseball. Yeah, his face is painted like a baseball. Hang on, let me see this. Let me see this, because... Right, we've got I, it. Like, I've got the image. <laughs> all right, let me see. What do we got? What do we got? Let me see. The... Oh, my Lord. <laughs> that is horrifying. <laughs> I know, right? You know what the worst part is, though? Like, he should have done it only on one side. Yes. If he did it on one side, that actually might have looked pretty hype. But right now, he look, he looks less like a baseball fury and more like he's slowly turning into a hi-hat of the Warriors. Yes. Yes. Like some kind of disgusting hybrid of the two. We have the Warriors at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you, no, that, that was going to say, that's, that, that, that is not in Riverside Park. That's in Chelsea Park. <laughs> Yeah. That's in my nightmares is what it is. <laughs> oh, New sleep paralysis demon unlocked. So, can we go should we go back to the action? We got a cross yeah. body attempt by Jeff Jarrett that's reversed into the world's strongest slab, still only a two count. Oscar and Mabel manage to double team Jarrett on the outside and he gets squashed on the turnbuckle post quite hard, my I add. Holy moly, Mabel going up with the Brett's rope splash, but thank God that Jarrett dodged that. <laughs> the, sunset, uh, the sunset flip attempts, and Mabel does an aloha on, but he, as he goes to flatten him, Jarrett managed to dodge, and he manages to pin him for the free? 
really? It ends. The match ends with Jarrett being chased out of the arena by M- Mabel. And yes, no, that is the end. Why it ended? It ended with Mabel failing to attempt to flatten Jarrett, and he managed to get the free. I have a feeling that no person in this match had any idea that it was going on or that it was even planned. And so I choose to believe that even the commentary team were seeing it for the first time and had no idea how to respond. I, I agree. No, that's, that is a pretty good summation of this match. Th- this was a Monday Night Raw match on a pay-per-view. Like, this is a new-gen Raw match that had no business being I don't even, on the pay-per-view. I don't think this is a Raw match. I think this is like tail end of Saturday night's main event. <laughs> or WWF Superstars. Yeah, like that's that that's the kind of beat we're on here. I'm sorry to say that not even Jeff Jarrett could have saved this match. Oh uh, yeah, look right. Not everyone can. Not everyone can. You know, keep up with the high work rate of Jeff Jarrett. Unfortunately, Mabel was not the task. <laughs> this is getting a point five out of five from me. <laughs> this is getting a point out of five for me. Oh. <laughs> Just moves of fuck. It's five minutes of nothing, man. It's a full stop out of five for Reed. <laughs> five <laughs> minutes of nothing, man. This is getting a uh, half star. <laughs> and the only reason it is getting that half star is because of Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. Well, soon no, enough... This match, we... this, match, this match is just ass. Like, <laughs> At least the, uh, uh, sooner or later, we'd get Jeff Jarrett's um, uh, album, Ain't I Great, with the hit single, Alone With My Baby Tonight. Yeah. So, you know, swings and roundabouts is all I'll say in this. It's funny how many times wrestling has done a rap versus country music gimmick. <laughs> Speaks to a lot, don't it? And how and how and how every single time, um, wrestling fans have been completely unaware of the subtext inherent to that. Oh no, aware. They're just not saying. Yeah, I fully believe they're aware. I I let them off the hook. (laughs) So, we're back to see if Frank Drebin has finally found the Undertaker, and would you believe it? Leslie Nielsen and George Kennedy are on the entrance ramp. Oh, gosh. I love it. We get a live segment of them at the arena. Behind them, though, is the silhouette of Undertaker on the entrance tunnel. But as the curtain is raised up, no one's there. Whoa. Spooky. <laughs> and that is the last Ooh, time. We'll spooky. S- and that is the last time we'll see the pair of them on this pay-per-view. So, we get a recap package chronicling the Brett and Owen feud leading up to this cage match at SummerSlam. God, I still... Right, the, the thing I love from this rivalry is the one line from Owen at the Royal Rumble. I kicked your leg out of your leg, Brett! <laughs> also, is this moment that I finally realised. Does, doesn't Paddy the Baddy Pimblet look a little like Owen Hart? <laughs> He does. He really does. He does. <laughs> now I'm just picturing Owen Hart, but Scouse. <laughs> that's Paddy Pimblet, though, isn't it? <laughs> that's, that's, what, was it what was it? It was, I kicked your leg out of your leg, Brett. Yes. I kicked, the leg, I kicked his leg out of his leg, Brett. 
That's a shit Scouse accent. <laughs> oh, watch now as the UTP guys r- rinse you for that one. <laughs> no, right? They know I can do better. <laughs> also, oh, what an amazing promo as well at the end of this package with Owen in the in the middle of the ring at the cage. Uh, in the cage with Jim Neidhart and Todd Pettengill. I, it's such a good promo. Yeah. Owen's an underrated promo guy. He's really, really good at promos, oh, yeah. if you ask me. Uh, we talk we talk about we talk about work rate with him, but we have to understand that like just generally like we have to understand like how good he was just overall. So so good. Alright, after that video package Oh, we get Stu and Helen Hart looking ever so happy to be at ringside. As I said to you two before we recorded, Stu Hart. Oh, constantly fucking miserable. (laughs) Nothing can make that man happy. Stu Hart could never... I I think he's actually incapable of being happy, or at least looking happy. He looked like that in the womb. There's no way. The dude, the dude's just angry at all opportunities. The man well, found true. The... the only thing, thing he found true happiness in was stretching out young Japanese lions in the dungeon. That's a statement. That's, that is it. That's all it is. That's all it is. <laughs> oh no, we have the entire Hart family at ringside, and we've got Davy Boy Smith in one hell of an outfit. His long hair down. Wearing small rounded glasses, a knitted waistcoat with no undershirt, and high up acid wash jeans. Yeah! <laughs> Davy boy, we're what a hell of a fit there. <laughs> Look, right, it has, it's never been his specialty. It, you know, it really hasn't. We get Jim the Anvil Neidhart at ringside as well, stumbling his way for a promo. But Bruce Hart as well there interjecting and just Bruce Hart being Bruce Hart. Also, it was this that I realised like, that Bruce's voice is a, both a mix of Brett and Owen's and it's really weird to hear. <laughs> like, he's got the monotone, like, drawl of Brett, but also the high-pitched kind of, like, gravelness, graveliness of Owen. And it's really weird. <laughs> really weird. So... Todd Pettengill is backstage with the Hitman, and he has a case of strep throat, surprisingly. But Brett actually sounds and looks pretty fine. Looks pretty well, if you ask me. Right, here's the thing. I've always liked Brett's promo style. It's no nonsense. It's, you know, to the point. It's almost like um, a world champion boxer making his intentions yeah. clear about what he's going to do into, like, in, in, the, in the main event or in the match that's coming up. But it's so out of place for what Vince wants with his wrestlers that it almost kind of makes sense and makes you realise why he always hated Brett and favoured Sean during this whole time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) See, here's the thing to a lot of people. In England, especially in England, Bret Hart is absolutely loved. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Is like I think it's that it's that it's that associate it's the Canada Association as well as Davy the Davy Boy Smith Association. This country loves Bret Hart, <laughs> and oh, we yeah, always yeah. will love Bret Hart. <laughs> yep, yep. So 
match six of what should have been the proper main event. The champion Bret Hart going up against Owen in a steel cage match for the WWF Championship. Now, before we get to the match, did you notice that uh, during Owen's entrance at the entrance tunnel, Owen tried to go through the projector screen? <laughs> I that did not know so that. Fucking awesome. <laughs> it's like he was oh, walking, man. walking, and he didn't realize the. Pro- either it was he was ribbing the production team, which wouldn't surprise me because it's Owen, or he just didn't realize the projector was there. No, I choose to believe that he just thought I, I he could just run through it. Ah, <laughs> oh, so the action starts thick and fast as Owen makes a beeline for Brett as he enters the cage and throttles him in the corner. Owen is hungry for blood as he is taking full control of this match at the opening. Punches in bunches, throwing him to the canvas. Uppercuts and chops, but Brett manages to get an opening with an inverted atomic drop and a lariat. A stiff DDT from Brett sends Owen to, into the canvas. And we the, the, the whole basis of this match, what I love, I love, love, love about this match is there is no wasted move or moment during this match yeah. the intention no. from Brett and owen is absolutely clear beat you up hit you hit a big move escape can't escape go back to the well escape once more love love what they do with this with this match as brett makes his first attempt escaping but he is quickly cut off by owen nice inseguri from owen as he makes his first escape attempt manages to get to the top but not before Brett manages to grab him down and sends him flying into the canvas with a mean back suplex off the cage. Brett tries I personally to... always loved um, Brett and Owen's back suplexes. It's the same. Same. Brett tries to reach for the door, but Owen scurries along to grab him by, him by the ankles. Owen whips Brett into the corner, and the sound the turnbuckle hitting the cage makes is whore. Like, Brett hits that turnbuckle hard to make sure you get that noise i think it's like they know that their father is watching so if they soften up even yes. a little bit yeah. they're just gonna he's gonna choke him out again on the ride home yeah <laughs> we get a big bulldog from brett and we get another door escape sequence oh i love this sequence where both men are clamoring for the door drags and then they jump over the 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 other one to yeah. get to the door and that happens a few times during this sequence i love it it's so good uh we get brett climbing trying to climb over the cage he almost gets to the top of it but owen manages to throw him off and back down into the mat owen gets to the corner and is over. He's got his legs over to the cage on the other side, but Brett has him by the hair, and he's hanging by the literally by only the hair. Both men battling onto the top rope, but Brett falls and gives Owen, and this gives Owen the opportunity to deliver one hell of a missile drop kick from the top rope. That is a thing of beauty. Yes. Owen. Very, very good. From that, Owen manages to kip up and just jumps at the cage wall to to scurry up onto the top. Owen almost manages there, but but Brett, again, manages to get there at the last second. With Brett balancing precariously on top of the cage, he fires back with with Owen throwing him off and onto the cage. Both men are on the canvas, 
uh, with dual shoulder blocks uh, in the sequence there. With the Brett trying to escape, Owen again grabs him by the ankle. But this time, Brett is having none of this and decides to go, you know what, I am sick and tired of you grabbing me by the ankles. And he just stiff kicks Brett Owen in the face. <laughs> <laughs> to get him off him and then we just get like ground and pound it's just like i'm i am kicking the living shit out of you because i want to escape and owen's like no no i'm kicking the living shit out of you and i'm escaping <laughs> owen yes. though so 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 close to escaping via the door but somehow brett again manages to grab owen by the ankle brett has had enough and has decided to headbutt Owen right in the King of Hearts crown jewels. <laughs> like, it looks like he's going to go for a sharpshooter, but Brett is like, now nah, I'm going to headbutt you straight in the ghoulies. <laughs> Dunk. It's at this point that I am sick and tired of Vincent and King's commentary at this time. Because all I yes. get is King hating Brett Hart and Vince going, what a maneuver! <laughs> I, I hate the whole water maneuver thing. Yeah. It oh. it never goes, does it? <laughs> so Brett manages to climb on his rope to go for a diving elbow drop, but misses and hits that canvas hard. Owen once more, ever so close to escaping. But again, Brett manages to grab him by the scruff of his hair. Which must have fucking hurt on Owen's part. <laughs> Almost definitely, yes. Really nice sequence here where Brett tries to like tries to climb over Owen to escape, but Owen manages to grab Brett, kind of drag him down and pull him into a Samoan drop. Like he manages to like like pull him off of the cage, dunk on his shoulders into a Samoan drop. Love to see it. Owen with a pitcher perfect pile driver in the center of the ring. Like boom, like that he like he fits that thing with finesse. With the crowd going nuts, Owen has an opening unlike anything he's had in this match. He is almost out. But both but Brett manages to catch up with Owen and both men are on the cage slugging it out. But eventually both men fall to the mat from exhaustion brett again so close to the cage door owen manages to grab him and we are um, but oh, but brett manages to get to an advantage and we go for a sharpshooter no we get a ginormous slingshot into the cage wall Hell and chicago yeah. has come unglued how how just as a side note how do we feel about the blue cage i love I the blue never blue liked it really <laughs> never liked it Never. I have a soft spot for it because it like one of the first cage matches I saw was the blue cage. But I will yeah. say the modern like steel grating fencing one is a lot better visually. I've always yeah, felt like it. I've always felt like the blue cage is probably easier for like wrestlers because you know it's like got bigger spacing. Mm. Mm. But like visually the the current style is almost definitely visually better. Yeah, like, I, that is it. Just watching it, I'm like... And also because the bars are so thick on it. Yeah. yeah. So, I've, I'm sorry, I've never been a fan, ever. <laughs> I've all, Every time I've gone back and watched cage matches, like, during the 80s, 90s, I've always never... I just don't like the cage, man. 
it's just it's it, too it's it's the shade uh, of it's the shade of blue they use isn't it that is, that is oh yeah like <laughs> that's too <laughs> so a scoop slam is re is reversed and as, as owen tries to push brett into the cage brett at the last second ducks in time and owen goes face first into it but not before brett didn't come well not before brett collides with the cage with his knee and he he sells that pretty damn good actually as only bret hart could sell and he makes it sell as if he's like shattered his kneecap yep <laughs> as he as brett attempts to climb the cage owen is on spaghetti legs but he manages to will himself up to get to brett and manages to grab him in time a spinning back kick from owen sends both men down and owen at this time has the best opportunity to escape begins to climb out and it's over the top he's nearish there as brett manages to grab him both men throw one another into the cage from the top of it but this exchange ends with brett kicking owen's hands off of the cage a really good spot i love the spot of just brett going Bunk! and owen going whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> owen reaching the top the corner of the cage He's got his whole body out. His head is literally poking on in the inside of the cage. And holy shit! What a superplex from Brett to bring his brother back into the ring. It's it's brilliant, honestly. Oh. Again, oh, you're my brother, and I love you. Meaning you have to die. <laughs> it's this is just this is just two brothers fighting. Only they have they have actual training. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so you know that there is some there is something like just like him whispering, This is for what you did to my teddy bear back in fourth grade, bitch, and just bang. He's that's just it. looking for a reason to to like cause a problem. He's like, and this was for the time that you took the you like had the last bit of milk and didn't put a new one in. This is for the time that you changed the channel when I was watching it. This is yeah. the time you left the toothpaste bottle open. Yeah. This, this is, is the, the time, time you played you... that practical joker by girlfriend. That is definitely Brett it's... at Owen. <laughs> this is this is the time you left me in the dungeon with dad. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, I that, I love it. Oh gosh! And so we get the sharp sharpshooter uh, sequence. Owen locks the sharpshooter in the middle of the ring on Brett. But as Brett, being the master of this move, only knows how, he manages to reverse it and counter into his own sharpshooter. Just as Brett looks like he's got this in the bag, Owen jumps and manages to grab Brett by the hair. Both men fall from the cage, and this has taken the life out of the pair of them. Both men, though, manage to get up. They are outside of the cage. Both are so close to the escaping, scurrying, clawing, punching each other. The ensuing brawl sees Owen get hung up on the cage as Brett falls to the ground and the hitman has retained the championship. But we are not done here. Jim the Anvil Neidhart jumps the guardrail clobbers Davy Boy Smith and it sends him and his wife Diana over the guardrail as well. Um, fun fact, Diana was never meant to actually go over the guardrail. Of course. 
Of course. Uh, and so it was Anvil and Davy Boy that kind of accidentally sent Diana flying over as well. Awesome, Davy Boy. Great work. Anvil attacks Brett. He and Owen throw him back into the cage and to continue this beating. Jim the Anvil Nightheart taking an uncomfortable amount of time trying to padlock the cage door <laughs> as the entire Hart family I mean, tries to climb over the cage. I mean, it makes a change from the wrestling trope of someone taking too long to open the cage yes. door. Mark yes. Henry, I'm looking at you. <laughs> nah, my, no, Mark Henry's one was legit, though, because he just went, nah, fuck this lock. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Bulldog is fighting to the top of the cage. He manages out of all of the Hart family to get over it up the top of the cage and get in to make the save for Brett. And that is how we end this match. Okay, this match fucking rules. Oh, it's, 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 it slaps. It slaps completely and utterly. Oh, it, I love... It's, it, it's everything you could want from Brett, uh, Brett Hart versus Owen Hart. <laughs> exactly. This is what I love to see in a cage match. You know, it's like the two combatants clawing and scraping their way to escape with every opportunity that they can, you know? Brett and Owen... Like, this is as much a scrap as it is a wrestling match. Absolutely. And Brett and Owen are just phenomenal. They're always phenomenal yeah. together. Um, it's just with this match, it made me realise there's no wonder that WWE have always tried and failed to replicate the magic of this match. Yeah, but that's because they are fundamentally misunderstanding what makes this match good. <laughs> you know what's the only thing that's come close to it, and I hate to say it? It's that Kurt Angle cage match he had that one time on Raw. Yes. It's no, I'm, 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 I'm willing to accept that. Uh, but again, it's an outstanding match, match of the night without question. This for me, it's not, it's not Owen and Britain Owen's best match, but it is the best cage match of, of like WWF's ever had. For that, I'm gonna give it. I, I may, I may may be controversial for this. I'm giving it a four out of five. Okay. Purely because Brett and Owen have had better matches. This is the best cage match. Uh, a couple of things kind of spoil it. Uh, most notably, I would probably say the constant cutaways to the Hart family. <laughs> kind of spoiling, because I just wanted to see the action. And of course, it was Jim, Jim Nide Hart taking a, a sweet old time <laughs> trying to lock the door. I, that's why I'll probably... That's probably the reasons I'll give for bringing the point down. Otherwise, I would have given it a five. <laughs> if I if I say, right, that I am giving this a five out of five, and that that is as much on its merit as a match in itself, in that I think it is, again, probably one of the best cage matches in WWE history. I feel like I'd have to go back and like properly reflect on that. Yeah. Just because like, for example, I do also really like um, Triple H versus Batista. Yes. But, like again, like um, again, this is like on reflection, right? <laughs> but if I also say that I think the thing that gives me, that makes me want to give this a five out of five is that in the context of everything else that surrounds it, yeah. it is so yeah. incredible incredibly superior yeah yeah everything I think... else on, on this is so shit compared to this with exception to um born akado versus alundra blaze yeah everything else is so shit that it makes this look even more exemplary <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong you're really not wrong <laughs> like literally this is why i'm like 
it has to be five out of five mm. because in the like this is the future being shown yeah so you gotta do it i'm gonna go i'm gonna go for for five out of five it's it's owen and brett putting out all of the stops yeah. the only way those two can no, I, I'm I'm right there with you, chaps. As I said, four maybe because I just you know I wanted to be a little bit more critical. But ever since if no, I wasn't, no, no, I'd like, probably I, be. Hey, listen, I, I completely understand your position, and in fact, I in many ways I fully endorse it. <laughs> Thank it's just you. that there is that particular thing of just for me because of everything else. Yeah. Like, just because of everything else, I kind of like. I feel like it just like gives itself the five. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I I don't blame you in any way, shape, or form. Todd Pettingill rushes backstage to get a word with Owen and Jim Neidhart. The mic barely picks up their voice for a brief moment, but Owen event we get eventually get Owen airing his anger at his entire family and had his brother beat. This makes me realise that Owen really should have been WWF champion officially at one point. Because there was one moment oh, yeah. during a, a, a Coliseum slash Silver Vision exclusive video where he was champion for about two minutes. Owen should have been WWF champion at one point. Oh yeah, no, he absolutely should have been. But as I've got, as people have often said, like Owen was both too early and yet too late. Yeah. Yeah. Like he he missed the boat by like kind of five years either side, mm. unfortunately. Indeed. All right, fellas, we get a recap of the events that have led to our main event of Undertaker versus Undertaker. And holy shit, that's Ginichiro Tenryu at Royal Rumble. I. It's a psychological whiplash, isn't it? <laughs> oh my! I forgot that um, SWS uh, had a working yeah, relationship at this the time. The SWS WWF relationship—that is my man, Genichiro Tenryu. And Tenryu, the, the fucking Royal man, Rumble, had, who was described as a young man. He was in his mid mid to late thirties. That that's young by WWE standards. Holy crap, it, it, it was such a whiplash when I saw Genichiro Tenryu. The more Tenryu. things change, the more they stay the same. Genichiro <laughs> Tenryu, a young man, he's in his mid-30s, not too far off WWE now. So him, Yokozuna, and the Million Dollar Corporation, and Jeff Jarrett, all made Taker lose that casket match, and they all willed him off, and uh, take, this, made take, this wrote Taker off. Something of, something about knowing that fucking Genichiro Tenryu yep. <laughs> having a part to play in The Undertaker versus The Undertaker is like, again, psychological whiplash. Oh, well, you know, for the WWF, it's those sneaky Japanese. Oh, oh wow. We're just, we're just no, going to go there? I'm going to go, go there. I'm huh? going to go there. WWE, that... to me, that is basically WWE canon. Yep. Oh, dear. <laughs> so... That sequence at the Royal Rumble where Taker ascends to the heavens. Guess who was the guy? I need to return to my home planet. Guess who was the guy on the wire dressed as Taker being lifted into the rafters? Jeff Jarrett. No. Ooh. It was, it was fucking Marty Jannetty. 
That man needs to, that man needs to find the heavens expeditiously. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. All right, we then get vox pops of regular working people talking of their sightings of the Undertaker. We saw Undertaker in a bakery. We saw Taker in a firehouse. We saw Undertaker in a kindergarten class. <laughs> we then get Ted DiBiase revealing that he's bought out the Undertaker. And on a future episode of the Heartbreak Hotel, he introduces the dead man. But it is an imposter played by the wrestler Brian Lee, who you may know as Chains in that biker gang during the gang warfare storyline a couple of years later. Can we talk about the concept of buying out an undead wizard? I mean, everybody's got a price, as Ted says, you know, even the undead, apparently. Basically, what would, a, what would a zombie wizard do with money? Uh, well, I mean, if we're going through Greek, that's two coins for Sharon. That's that's about it, really. <laughs> that's, that's about it. I mean, like, nice. <laughs> do you reckon? Do you reckon like the 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 million dollar man has access to like a phylactery to allow the Undertaker to become a lich? Like, <laughs> a very good question. Uh, at this point in the eight in the nineties, I want to say yes. I want to say, like, it makes sense like, that uh, that uh, that a preacher would end up buying death incarnate. Now that I think about it, because, because like, if we're because like if we're going through like the law, right? It's Paul Bearer who controls the Undertaker, right? At this point, correct? Yeah, more or less, right? Now, what are the rates you have to pay for Paul, pay Paul Bearer, who is if if the Undertaker is an undead wizard? Paul Bearer is the I, creator of said undead wizard. I guess the, I my, the the rate would be the the maintenance costs for the funeral directors that Paul Bearer runs. Yeah, like like it's yeah that's the yeah because like does does Paul Bearer like maintain the Undertaker's spirit using using the urn? Is yes. that is that his job? Yes. So that's his job. Okay. So, so you, what we're so what we're saying then is that the urn is in fact the phylactery. Yeah, the 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 honor is absolutely the phylactery of oh, the Undertaker, a hundred percent. Oh, this 100%. comes. This comes I know, the I know, I know that right now there's a chunk of people that are listening to us that are wrestling fans that have never played a single second of D and D and have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> oh, so Paul Bearer tries to regain control of this imposter taker, but not everything is as it seems. As Taker walks towards Ted DiBiase after he flashes the cash, like Ted DiBiase walks up to Undertaker and goes, "Look, look, I got money." Yeah. <laughs> Undertaker's like, "Ooh, money." As you do. So this sets up the main event for tonight as Ted Taker goes up against Paul's Taker. Holy crap! It's the main event, gents. It's Undertaker versus Undertaker. Ted walks out first to introduce his Undertaker to the ring, and out he comes. Now, for the rest of this, we're going to call him Underfaker, okay? Yes, fair. With hindsight, Underfaker looks pretty damn obvious that it isn't him, as he kind of doesn't really fit, fill out the outfit as well as an OG Taker. But I'd say given the time, at the time, as the moment, if you see it live... I could imagine a lot of people were utterly convinced that it was the real McCoy. 
I could have. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if people. Oh no, that actually is the Undertaker. Here comes Paul Bearer as he comes out with the Druids wheeling a casket to him. But as Paul Bearer opens up the casket, only smoke emanates. And oh my fucking god, yes, it's the giant spotlight urn. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Paul Bearer opens it and a giant spotlight comes out of the urn. As all the all of the encompassing power of the dead man is released into the United Center. Here he is. Here is OG Dead Man back after several months to actually recoup from injuries, actually, that had built up during his time in the WWF. So he was kind of written out to kind of. Literally, literally every time they need injuries, they just kill The Undertaker. It's and kind of funny. It's the first time it happened, and it would not be the last. Literally, it's just I need a break. Cool, we'll get someone. We'll get some big bad to kill you. Hell, we need to bring you back from the dead to reincarnate you as a biker. All right, I'm off. I'm out. <laughs> now, we were supposed to get the impression that both men are the exact same person, but once they square up against one another, it's obvious that it's not the case. It's that like the height difference is so noticeable. And I love after. No, it's completely fine. They're exactly the same height. Oh, as Vince goes, it's looking like it's like it's looking in a mirror. Oh, fuck off, Vince. You know, it is really funny how like they do talk about like how difficult it, it, a job Kane had. Mm. That he actually did pull it off of being like similar enough to the Undertaker that yeah you definitely buy the resemblance yeah but different enough to say like yeah this isn't quite the same person so yeah it's just this wasn't gonna work Look, basically this is an idea that they had which they should have the moment someone came up to with it they should have laughed them out of that room yeah but the problem was is that. There was no one in there that was able to laugh that person out of the room and they thought, you know what? That's a great idea. So this is how we're going to make The Undertaker have a big return. So, chaps, have you, have you ever wanted to know what a mirror match in Mortal Kombat would look like in real life? Not really. No, I'll be honest. No, fair enough. I mean, because this is pretty much it. Let's be honest. I'll tell you what this reminds me of, and this is an incredibly niche reference for anyone that's ha has happened to have played the game. Uh, anyone that's played Elden Ring, that's done the Mimic tier boss fight, um, and understands just how big a difference you can have between two things which are functionally the same but operate completely differently. Never played Elden Ring, not a big fan of, of Bromsoft. Don't add us! None of you people add us, for the love of God! You can you can leave Ridden alone because I'm here and I like them. <laughs> same, same, same. So there you go. There you go. Anyway, the point of the boss is it copy it copies you and all your gear, but the problem is is it's always horrendously one sided to yourself because you actually have actual agency over what you do and understand how your build works. Meanwhile, the AI just kind of does stuff. <laughs> Oh my fucking god, that really is a perfect summation of this match. <laughs> so, we start with Taker grabbing Faker by the hair and bringing him back into the ring with a suplex. Faker does the sit-out to no... Uh, does the sit-up out of that move to no reception whatsoever. This silence is fucking deafening. 
Yeah, but why could why are people gonna respond to it? Because they've been told that it's that it's like <laughs> it's the same guy. Taker going for a choke slam, but manages to throw also, Taker over the also, top rope. Side note. We're like what a minute into this match. We are a minute into this match, and it's immediately spilled. And they've outside. already done the sit-up spot. Yep. King and Vince are trying their fucking best to sell the ridiculousness of this. But Look, it's right. Just not I'm working. sorry. You could take the most convincing speaker alive at the time, and they could have done nothing with this. Jim Ross was. If Jim Ross was on commentary, there was no way he was going to save this. Like, so they tried. Faker does the old school, but is reversed into a choke slam off the top rope by Taker. Old school by Taker hits the money. Under Faker slips upon a spine buster attempt and tries to save it into a stun gun with no reaction at all by the crowd. Clothesline by Faker puts Taker down, but not for long as he gets up after a leg drop attempt. Taker does the banana peel slip over the top rope. And Vince here at this moment says, You can hear the silence from the capacity crowd. Yeah, they're not stunned by this, Vince. They just fucking hate it. This is this is this is the silence, not out of shock, but out of sheer disappointment at what they're seeing. <laughs> Faker, Could you imagine how much money you'd like to have paid for those tickets to see this? $19.75 was the price you paid In for. In nineteen ninety-four. Yeah. I'd feel fucking ripped off, wouldn't you? I'm gonna fit. I'm I'm getting the inflation calculator out again. <laughs> As you do this, I will go over the rest of it. So Faker has Taker on wobbly legs, but Taker won't don't get go won't go down. And this actually frustrates the under Faker. Faker hitting the choke slam, and Taker just rises straight back up. Tombstone attempt by Faker. And he almost, oh my god, as he does it, he almost slips and plants Taker right on his head. Sorry, sorry Sam, how yeah. much did you say the tickets were? $19.75. Uh, that's the equivalent of $40. Oh man, I feel ripped off. Ooh. Oh man, so, oh dear, dear. Taker fortunately is back up. Faker tries another tombstone, but is reversed. Taker plants Faker with a tombstone of his own. And instead of a pin, Taker goes for it again. And again. And fortunately, thank God the match is over and the crowd cheer that it's finally fucking over. <laughs> Honest to goodness, this match can be sum summarised by this. Punch, old school, chokeslam, tombstone, win. That's all that happens. That is it. And that, Story and, done. <laughs> and that, ladies and gentlemen, ends the pay-per-view. And you think to yourself through this, no wonder the new generation was an absolute shambles. <laughs> I mean, like, in the grand scale of how things could go, again, the concept that this came after Owen versus Brett. <laughs> it's kind of insane, isn't it? What whiplash. Honestly, right? If after this, could you imagine if after this, Brett cut a proto a proto pipe bomb? <laughs> yeah, I could. This is bullshit. Brett, just cut, Brett cuts an entire promo about how he didn't main event because of Undertaker versus Undertaker. And to be honest, would you? Could you? Would you 
I wouldn't put it against him if we did. Oh, I'd fully back him. I'd fully back him. I, I love the con I love the concept of if that happened. <laughs> oh. But it, it's just it's it's literally just like this is the thing that happens when you have a single person in creative control with no checks or balances. Yeah. It's Oh my god, it's it's horrible. Again, this is what we say about the new generation that there is so there are like for every piece of gold there are twenty five pieces of absolute shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Chaps, for this one, I'm giving it a zero point zero seven five out of five, and that is Jesus being Christ. incredibly yeah. fucking generous. Yes. Oh me, oh my! Maybe I, that zero point zero seven five is purely for the spotlight earn. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I don't know what the hell. Um, like I honestly don't know what the hell to give this. So. Um, what's a funny bit I can make? <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it a. <clears throat> I'm gonna give it a Paul Bearer out of five. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, just because I mean it's just insanity. It's absolutely insane that someone could allow this to exist and happen for nine minutes and not think about ever trying to stop it. Yeah, like I just don't, I just don't know what position you end up in where you look at all of this and like, because I think the entire thing with this, right, is obviously they had to find someone that could fit like the visual profile, right? Yeah, yes. But like, surely if they were there and they committed to it, they could have found, taken the time to actually find someone that could work. Yeah. So, I mean, there was a young Glenn Jacobs in Memphis at this time. <laughs> like, that would have been it, very it, interesting. It could have been, like, they could have literally just got, like, anyone. Just someone that they knew could that could work and do something. Yeah. Rather than just picking a person and trying to make it work, despite the fact that even the visual they're trying to present is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> ah, gosh, yeah. My... God, it was horrible pay per view. Reardon, your rating for this main event. I'm going to give this a fake out of five. Hey! <laughs> nice. Yes. It's infamous for a reason, is all I can say. It is infamous for a reason. The only thing I think would have redeemed this in any way, shape, or form is if the Underfaker came out to the man in black from the WrestleMania album. To be honest, the more I think about it, that would have been hilarious because it would have been entirely representative of the absolute confusion that would be going on watching this. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't want to see that visual. Anyway. We we stand we stand for Matic Sense. <laughs> So that concludes SummerSlam 1994. But before we head off, would you like to know what Davy Meltman thought of this? Please tell me it's just like him just being like, yes, pretty good. 
Yeah, I think it is. Everything else, hell. So SummerSlam is in the books, and it had a classic match followed by the worst main event in the history of pay-per-view. Tatanka turned heel, as expected, while Babyface Luger was booed out of the building. He gave Brett versus Owen the full five stars and says it was even better than their WrestleMania match and that it will be years before we see a cage match that was that good again. And finally, in the main event, the real Undertaker beat the fake Undertaker in a fucking god-awful match. This, though, came on the same week we saw one of the biggest double crosses in professional wrestling history as ECW held the NWA title tournament and then proceeded to trash the belt in front of the entire board and its president. Yeah, absolutely love to see it. Also, during this week, if you've a couple of little fun facts here, Antonio Inoki finally met with George Foreman whilst he was in America for Clash of the Champions. The two agreed to open negotiations for a match that would take place next April or May in North Korea at a 100,000-seat soccer stadium. Anoki claims he'd already gotten Muhammad Ali to agree to appear as a guest and feels that, plus a match with Foreman, would be able to sell out the stadium. This would, of course, become Collision in Korea that would end up being Anoki versus Ric Flair. Wow. I mean, am I, am I able to make the comment about sell-out arena and North Korea? Yes, you can. Okay. Because I don't think those two things quite match up. <laughs> Just a tiny bit. <laughs> also, during a match in FMW, Atsushi Onita allegedly ended up receiving uh, 111 stitches. That seemed like a very Onita thing. And uh, Jim Ross has once again been released from the WWF after SummerSlam. This came after being fired after his Bell's palsy. But apparently they couldn't negotiate a decent salary for Ross during this time. Vince has never liked him, has he? It's so strange that he's been so, so heavily focused on having him be part of the structure, yet some reason always manages to just like be like, sorry, Jim, got nothing for you <laughs> really must be some kind of story there that has to be it has to be either that or it's just because he's that jim was so damn talented and passionate about what he did that finch just never liked it it's the same thing with mauro Ronello. actually now that i think about it shout out mauro Ronello. mauro Ronello apparently been having talks of aew so i'd love to hear allegedly a- yes I-, I mean honestly excalibur taz mauro that is a when trio you think, I want. When you think about it, the AEW, now te- I know this is a complete random sidebar mm-hmm. to like, everything we're discussing, but the concept of AEW potentially having Taz, Excalibur, Jim Ross, uh, Mauro Ranallo, Ian Riccoboni, and Caprice Coleman just all at the ready is just like one of the most illegal announcing teams ever created. And shouts out to Tony Giovanni. He has a, he has uh, a special Tony place Giovanni, in everyone's yeah. heart. <laughs> but that ends SummerSlam 94, chaps. That was a journey I'd ever want to go on again. This, this is certainly a journey. 
this is this is why we need to we always have this conversation about when we do these reviews should we do ones that we enjoy or should we do ones that are hell this one is a weird one where it was heaven and hell all in the same you got event. to you literally got yeah. to do the hannah montana experience the best of both worlds exactly no, no, no. it's it literally is the moment in in the matrix revolutions when they see the sky for the first time yes. no literally <laughs> But like I said, though, it's it's that thing of, like, watching this, you just have this, like, vision of, like, <laughs> of, like, 10 to 15 years in the future. <laughs> and then you just get whipped out of it. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Oh, chaps, at least we've got a good episode for our next episode one i'm going to enjoy we're coming we're coming back with my uh with my guide to, uh two videos but this time something i'm quite nervous about if i'm honest because <laughs> it's been it's to the, all the for intents and purposes this has been documented to high heaven in modern wrestling now but i'm going to do a guide to the golden age of all japan pro wrestling yes we're going to be talking about giant barber founding the company we're going to be talking about jumbo Saruta, genichiro tenryu the four pillars junakiyama everything of that perfect pocket of japanese professional wrestling that was kind of that well that that was led the way by the four pillars i'm excited i'm excited to let you kind to introduce you guys especially reardon I'm excited to introduce you to the King's Road style of professional wrestling. I was gonna say I'm still I'm still in my learning, but I feel like I know enough, just not as much as Sam. <laughs> I'm really, really, really excited to show you because if for a casual audience, if you're not into the strong style aspects of professional wrestling, I will always say King's Road is the much better access point. It takes all we know and love about. Uh, the American mainstream, American professional wrestling, but gives it the Japanese flair that really sets it up. Although I do have to else. say, this does give me an opportunity to talk about Giant Barber booking, and I absolutely, that's something I love very deeply. So, also uh, the the added caveats of of men of the wrestlers absolutely fucking wailing on each other. But we'll get yeah. to that on our next episode. That's all coming up next time. But until then, I have been Sam. This has been Dan and Reardon. And you've been listening to the Sweet Chinwag podcast. We'll see you as always on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank fuck Vince is gone. <laughs> <laughs>